Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Failure Peace Theater. As always, I'm your amiable co-host, Tim, and joining me is... Catherine! And this week, we are back, kids and friends and family, to discuss Netflix Presents, a Zack Snyder production of a Zack Snyder film directed by Zack Snyder and presented in widescreen format with dead pixels all over the place, Army of the Dead. Yes, Army of the Dead. Because if George Romero could have copyrighted a prepositional phrase, he should have. Because now we're going to get lots of movies where we just are called Of the Dead. Uh, Yeah, I I botched that intro a bunch of times, but I'll I'll fix it in post. Fine. That's what editing Um, is for. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we are here to discuss... We're here to discuss Army of the Dead, the recent Netflix release of a Zack Snyder joint directed by Zack Snyder, written by Zack Snyder, produced by Zack Snyder, photographed by Zack Snyder, edited by Zack Snyder, with Zack Snyder's special assistance, a special appearance by Zack Snyder while filming Army of the Dead. Um, Yeah, this is a Zack Snyder film. I don't know if I've made that clear. And the Internet seems to be okay with it being one of those. Uh, and seems obsessed with all kinds of interesting ideas. I didn't pull a bunch of reviews for this because I started reading them and they made my brain hurt mm. uh, because it was a lot of people being like, well, it's pretty good. Guys, you know, it's a returned form because I don't know if you guys know all you Zoomers out there. If you guys know Zack Snyder's first film was a zombie film that brought around the zombie resolution. No, it didn't. Uh, it did not bring around the zombie revolution. That was 28 days later. Um, yeah. Although Dawn of the Dead certainly did, you know, sort of push that forward. Uh, so this is his unofficial sequel to uh, Dawn of the Dead. Um, or at least that's what Netflix would have you believe. Uh, it, it certainly has of the dead in the title. So, I mean, that's a plus. Uh, but yeah, we're here to, to talk about this film, quote unquote. Um that's uh has some good parts has many bad parts and is is a vehicle for all of Zack snyder's excesses uh because Zack snyder is that's the word (laughs) Zack snyder is a filmmaker who is like george lucas in the prequels uh he has surrounded himself by people who apparently cannot tell him no and if they do, he just replaces them and does their job himself. So he's really the James Cameron slash George Lucas of modern film. He's like uh, a bizarro James Cameron. Bizarro James Cameron, yes. Um, he's he's from the Phantom Zone, and he's been released. And now he's just making films like crazy. Um, so this film has a weird history. It's actually been done for quite some time. Uh, I want to say they wrapped filming in like 2019, maybe the maybe late 2018, when this film was completed. Uh, Warner Brothers owned it and then dumped it uh, during the pandemic or Presumably slightly before. Presumably, it was because someone watched it. Yeah, no, I I can totally see a studio getting a two and a half hour cut of a gory zombie film and saying, "What is this? We don't want this." And, and and you've cost us so much money, Zack Snyder. I mean, just just so much money. We're going to sell this to Netflix. <laughs> and Netflix was like, oh, okay. Uh, we know who Zack Snyder is. 
we've seen it. You just in, bought 147 like, movies in the last 25 minutes. That's fine. One we'll give more. you, you know, we'll give you your investment back. Um, but this film has done uh, again is impossible to gauge uh, success on Netflix. But they did announce that 74 million households, I believe, had watched um, the the this this film, quote unquote. And uh, that apparently is a lot. Uh, Netflix <laughs> likes, they don't release those numbers very often. So when they do, it's usually significant. Good. Good. But then they also apply the, well, if this was in movie theaters, then this is how much money it would have made. And that's and not fair. You that can't is not apply tr- no. that metric. No. Watching a movie on Netflix requires literally nothing for me. Like nothing. All uh, I have to push do is the button. button. Yeah. And I believe Netflix's metric for a film being watched is I think you only have to watch it for five minutes for them to count it as being watched as well. May it, that's probably changed since the early days, um, but but I, it, you do not have to complete the film for Netflix to count it as a watch of the film, um, which again is, is and it's not like so these people watched the film and then hit that like button. <laughs> Maybe, but probably not. Um, so it's, it's reviews. As I said, they made my head hurt because modern reviews on Rotten Tomatoes are full of places that are like called celluloid dreams. And they're just blogs. They're just, they're just blogs. Um, and, and I don't, I don't like reading them because. Well, I like reading them because it makes me think that someday my words might be important. (laughs) Anybody's words can be I'll be on the Rotten Tomatoes. That's right. Podcast thoughts. Podcasts are on there. Maybe we just need to submit and see if they'll listen to us. (laughs) I I don't know. Um, Then we can be the influencers, the Netflix, the Netfluencers. Um, That's what they're called, right? The Netfluencers. Um, I I think that's the term. Yeah. And sounds real. (laughs) That sounds accurate. And so we're going to break this film down. I, I don't know if we need to go scene by scene. I think that would be infuriating, but. We will talk about it. Um, I was looking at my phone for large chunks of it, um, so I I don't want to make it seem like I'm an expert on the film. I probably missed things. There were probably key, important pieces of visual information that Zack Snyder was sharing with me that I failed to you know to to glean because I was not necessarily fully engaged. Any important information to share with you? He, I mean, he has a, a real strong affinity for like really nice white T-shirts that I I would like to emulate. I wish I was a guy who could pull off a plain white tee. I'm not, but if I was, Zack Snyder would be my model. I would say be more like Snyder in terms of plain plain white tee wearing capability. But beyond that, I don't know. So Army of the Dead on our our good friend Rotten Tomatoes has a current score of sixty nine percent. Uh, on the tomato meter and uh, 75% audience score, which, you know, it seems about right. Um, Cause one thing I will say is it has been a while, a significant amount of time since we have had a big budget balls out zombie movie in any form, right? Um, zombies for the last, I, I would say decade plus have been relegated to the, the cheaper budgeted, you know, sort of horror option for a while. There, there have been a few here and there that have done okay, but for the most part, we've gone the zombie films of of the last, you know, era. It's taking of, of a rest. Filmmaking. They've been more the quiet. Oh, you know, we're we're dealing with 
um, you know, the, the fallout of zombies, you know, it's this quiet picture where zombies are in the background and, and, you know, it's more about relationships, you know, that kind of thing. I'm thinking of, of a smaller independent films like the battery, which is, is a really good one of those Maggie with uh, Abigail Breslin and, mm-hmm. and our man Arnold. Right. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're around, but this is a, a zombie action film which we have not gotten because they're expensive, right? This film costs north of $90 million to make. Um, and it's rare that you see that much money invested in, in a traditional sort of zombie actioner. Um, and especially since, you know, early 2000s timeframe. And, and it's, it's interesting and, and sort of appropriate that Zack Snyder would be the one to do this again. Um, it honestly feels like the pitch that he made for a sequel to Dawn of the Dead back in, you know, 05 ish, probably uh, because there's, there are some obvious parallels to day of the dead because Dawn of the Dead did well enough that I can't believe that the studio didn't turn around and say, okay, let's, let's do another one of these. Um, day of the dead is more problematic because by then Romero had taken more control of the, um, the financial production, right? Like there weren't as many hands in the pot. So I, I bet they had rights issues getting a hold of Day of the Dead. But this um, is where I reveal what kind of horror movie fan I am. Day of the Dead is one of my favorite movies oh, in yeah. the world. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and I actually didn't like Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. I did at the time. I rewatched it recently. And much of it does not hold up at all. Um, it does have that great, um, oh, the girl who led it, Sarah. Lady. What's her name? Sarah Polly? Yeah, Sarah Polly is at the front of it. And Sarah Polly has, has gone on to be become a great filmmaker in her own right. And, and so there's a decent cast. Um, the script very famously was written. It was one of the early scripts written by James Gunn. Um, cause that's the other piece of the Dawn of the Dead puzzle. Zack Snyder didn't write that. No. Um, like he wrote this, uh, he Zack Snyder doesn't write the things that he does relatively no. well. No. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously he's, I, I'm sure he has had. Uh, he's gotten like story credits on pretty much all of the movies he's done, but he's normally like at the end of the chain, you know, like he's the guy at the end who's making the final bits and bobs, you know, that turn around, but enough that he gets a screenwriting credit. You know, the only films that he's like written purely himself are Sucker Punch. And, and, and this, uh, which he didn't write alone. There was another credited screenwriter, but this is very much his idea, or at least that's what is being, being marketed, right? That this is this his is concept idea. <laughs> well, it's an elevator pitch, right? Zombie movie, it, you know, oceans 11 with zombies, right? Like that's how you pitch this. And the studio executive goes, Whoa, but you know, those movies made money, right? Like that's, that's the elevator pitch for this movie. Unfortunately, there is no payoff for that idea. This absolutely is not, not. Uh, this is not a heist movie. There is no heist. The no. heist is lame when and nothing happens. <laughs> when somebody said Ocean's Eleven, when people started saying heist, when the Netflix description tries to sell me on those ideas, you know, I really, I expect something. 
I don't feel like Ocean's Eleven is that difficult of a movie to rip off. No, I mean, literally dozens of other films have done it <laughs> and better than this. And, and that's my thing. Um, we're we're going to get into this in a second, but I, I want to read you the official synopsis of this. And I'm, I don't want to take too long with it, but, you know, most of the time, and this is straight from Rotten Tomatoes. This is the, the released by the studio, released by Netflix description of this film so that people will know what it is. And most of the time, these things are like five sentences. Right. They're like, hey, such and such person is in trouble and is on the run from the law and blah, blah, and blah. Like forced it's, to choose. Yeah. So here is the one for Zack Snyder's presented by Zack Snyder, directed by Zack Snyder, Army of the Dead from filmmaker Zack Snyder. 300 <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League Army of the Dead takes place following a zombie outbreak that has left Las Vegas in ruins and walled off from the rest of the world. When Scott Ward, Dave Batista, a displaced Vegas local, former zombie war hero who's now flipping burgers on the outskirts of the town he now calls home, is approached by casino boss Bly Tanaka, Hiroyuki Sonata, it's with the ultimate proposition. Wow. Break into the zombie-infested quarantine this is just zone a script. <laughs> to retrieve the $200 million. It goes on. There are 10 more sentences. It lists every character name because the movie sure doesn't and and not and really not much but it's so team breaks in to steal money from vault in zombie infested Las Vegas like that's all this movie is but Zack Snyder's problem is that Zack Snyder really thinks that his his shit is cool and it's it's just it's very interesting Yes, yes. I mean, you really um, thought that that would be a winner. Yes, and, and it was not uh, in many ways. So it's, it's a problematic film, not only structurally and script-wise and editing-wise and cinematography-wise. <laughs> and in all of the other ways. <laughs> but it's, it's, it makes a, a couple of cardinal sins when it comes to horror movies in one, but you know, obviously just movies in general, but definitely horror movies. Um, and so I, I guess, you know, we can kind of just jump into this and, and see kind of where it goes. But uh, let's let's open with the, the cast, I guess. So spoilers from here on out. Um, this movie has made a huge splash. If you want to watch it, it's it's two and a half hours long. Know that immediately um, because and it feels every minute of two and a half hours long. Yes. Um, which is a Zack Snyder problem, but this is a 90 minute movie tops. Like there is not enough in this film to sustain two and a half hours. Um, there is a, there is interesting stuff. There is cool stuff in it, but it is not enough to go for two and a half hours, but we are going to spoil the hell out of uh, army of the dead. Go check it out on Netflix. If you want to come back, listen to the rest of the podcast, see what we had to think about this film. Um, but yeah, let's, let's dig in. So, the cast is is large. This is a, a large cast. I, I hesitate to call it an ensemble because they don't really do anything together. Uh, they walk down a couple hallways, got a couple of scenes between sets of characters. They almost seem sort of partitioned off. Uh, it's not really a single group. It's it's little clusters of characters. Um, but at the center of it is is. Honestly, if you're going to hang a movie like this on someone, you could do a lot worse than Dave Bautista. 
Um, Dave Bautista is, is a fine actor. Uh, I, I would say of the actors who have come out of the world of wrestling, right? So we're talking Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, obviously, The Rock has got to be in there. Uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, you know, these people that have, have transitioned from wrestling to acting, I think Dave Bautista, and this is not a high bar to clear, obviously, uh, is probably the best, if not one of, one of the best, if not the best actor to come out of the world of wrestling because he can actually act. Um, he doesn't just play himself most of the time, which is an asset uh, that's good. He's not really given a lot to do in this film other than be an action guy. But he's fine. Uh, I don't really have an issue with Dave Bautista in this movie. I think he does an okay job with what he's given. Um, the rest of the people are literally interchangeable. I can't remember any of them. <laughs> I, I know I mean, one of them. Just... One of them was the nun from Nacho Libre. I do know that. Because uh, I, I recognized her face and I was like, hey, it's the, the nun from Nacho Libre. I don't remember what her character name was or anything that she did. But I do remember that she was in Nacho Libre, which is a film that I, I actually do like. Mostly. <laughs> um, and then we have just a, a random assortment of folks. Just people. Just, yeah. Um, I, so the cast is okay. Uh, there are a couple of bright spots. Hiroyuki Sonata, you know, we talked about him with Mortal Kombat and, and uh, Sunshine. He's great, but he's in the movie for f five seconds and, uh, and really is just he's like reading to... off of cue cards. I don't think he's even <laughs> paying attention. He does have a moment where he just like brilliantly pulls a sheet off of a giant model of the hotel that they're going to break into. That he just had laying around, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, and felt the need to, to sort of reveal with a flourish. Even though if all these people are from Las Vegas, which it's heavily implied that most of them are, I'm sure they would be familiar. But that's just me. So, I mean, there, there are some bright spots, and, and I guess we'll cover all of them. Uh, but structurally, I want to address, you know, a couple of things before we get into like the, the scene-by-scene -scene breakdown. Did... Did you pick up on the fact that this is just a sort of stealth remake of Aliens? Yes. Did you see that? Yeah. Um, I was like, it was kind of like nagging at the back of my brain. And then the, the coyote says you don't see them fucking each other over for a goddamn yep. percentage. I, I and hate I was like, when uh, what? I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm sorry if. If anyone listening enjoys this, but I loathe when movies do that, when they do those little callbacks to another movie that is beloved yeah. and, and they are terrible. <laughs> Just don't, because you're instantly going to make people compare this movie to Aliens. And mm -hmm. why would you do that? Why would it's you do that move. to yourself? Um, and, and yeah, but once you do that, everything begins to crack open like an egg and you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. And then you realize that one of the characters has a red bandana wrapped around their head mm -hmm. and, and is a Latina and she's a badass and she's punching and killing. I mean, you know, the Vasquez blows herself stereotype up. exists <laughs> and everybody acknowledges that it exists uh -huh. and that James Cameron helped just skyrocket that 
that trope into the stratosphere. And Michelle Rodriguez is is the the queen of yeah. the Vasquez. She's uh, ridden that wave mm-hmm. trope, and and I I appreciate it. Movie. I kind of love that little that little character slotted in, but here it no no, and uh, it's not good. And there are other other moments, you know, certain escapes, uh, the, the structure of the alien or the, the undead army and and sort of the imagery associated with them. There's there's just there's a lot. And I understand if you I mean, I love aliens. If I got the chance to make a movie, I'm sure I would be influenced by that film, especially if it was an action film. But these feel really hollow and sort of tonally inept given the story that's being told here um but i i was just curious if you picked up on that and it really as soon as she said that line i was like oh no 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 yeah I mean, you, it was, she didn't call the person burke but she might as well have it was a real phantom thing but that was that was the clincher it's like oh i see i see yeah so that's what this is so army of the dead uh, as i said it's oceans 11 with zombies um or at least that's what it wants to be. It doesn't really achieve that. Um, it, even if that is a thing that you would want to achieve, which I'm really not sure you would. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily a great combination of ideas, but you know, here we are. So army of the dead opens with, um, and, and you'll f- listener, you'll find this refrain recurring in this episode, a, a scene that is far too long. Um, to establish the, how the zombie outbreak occurs. And of course we get a lot of weird, um, like conspiracy theory, you know, Beatty X-Files BS as the mysterious military convoy leaves a mysterious facility. And the, and, and then we get these, this long conversation between these two soldiers being like, well, you know what they got in there, don't you? And he's like, what? It's like, you know, Area 51, wink. And these scenes are interspersed with scenes of a guy getting road head. Mm -hmm. And I could not do anything but think of thinner while that was happening. Because (laughs) uh, because there's only one thing that's going to happen to you if you're receiving Roadhead in a modern American film, and that is you are going to die and die horribly. If you don't uh, die or, right that second, you're going to get cursed and die or later. Or be punished by a, by a gypsy woman with a curse that's going to make you eat until you can't eat anymore. And, and so, like, all this is happening. It's fully inevitable. It ends in a, you know, well, I mean, okay. Let's, let's talk just a little bit about things Zack Snyder does well, because he does have a few things. Um, we've talked about this in the past, but we'll go ahead and say it. Zack Snyder is Michael Bay. If he was making movies for nerds, uh, Michael Bay is making movies for guys who wear like affliction t-shirts and watch UFC. And Zack Snyder is making movies for people who are really into power girl. Like, like they've got seven Power Girl posters and maybe a T-shirt and maybe even one of those pillows that you can buy off Amazon <laughs> that you don't admit to anybody that you have, but you do. That's who Zack Snyder is making movies for. 
and he is exceedingly good at it. And so you may actually draw the hate <laughs> that we welcome every week at the end of I, our podcast. I mean, I don't, I do, I feel like I can say that because I am, I am very nearly one of those people. Like I'm very nearly a person that falls into that category. And in many ways, Zack Snyder films should have the intended effect on me. They really should. And I'll say I have an affinity for 40% of Watchmen, 40-ish percent, maybe 45. Um, I like Man of Steel a lot. I, 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 I didn't initially, but I've kind of come around on it. I still don't think it's a good I, Superman movie, but it's an okay movie movie. I just, I hate it all. <laughs> I know. And... You know, but everything else about his output is is just super hit or miss. I mean, even 300 is hard to go back and watch for me. It's so cringy. And so given when it came out and, and the sort of political landscape of the world when that movie was released, it just it doesn't play well. Um, I mean, the problem is it's not a good movie. <laughs> I, they're all just really rough. But so Zack Snyder should appeal to me. Because he's doing a lot of the things that on paper I should like. Yeah, I mean, I have the same problem because, I mean, I'm a huge DC fan of the of the comics. Absolutely. DC I is should, probably the comics I read more today. I grew up yeah. a Marvel kid, but I read more DC than anything now. I, I don't, I mean, I, I historically don't like Batman movies. I just don't. But well, that's because ninety percent of them are trash. Yeah, I mean, they're just like, not they're good. bad. They're real bad. Um, there's been a couple of good ones, but just a couple. Um, but I, I really am just I, I find his comic book movies so off putting. You know, I, I of course I was fifteen once, so I loved Watchmen just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I saw it, it, it was just to me good because it had good source material. Yeah, so it's every it's single shot of that movie material. is right off of the page. Right. And obsessively so. Yeah. And and I kind of loved that about it. I loved that Snyder was willing to do that. Um, but then he doesn't really bring that same spice to any of his other movies. So I feel like that was just well, it looks good on this page already, so we'll just do that again. Uh definitely. Yeah. I mean it there are tons of back behind the scenes shots of Zack Snyder, like literally holding the Watchmen comic in his hands and then like putting it up to the camera and saying, do this, <laughs> um, which is, is great, you know, because that's what Watchmen often deserves. Although I think ultimately that um, the, the more recent Watchmen series on HBO is more tonally appropriate um, for a lot of reasons. But but anyway, so, you know, Snyder should be appealing to me. He, sh he really should. And and I should love his work. And I just kind of don't. I tolerate it. And there are moments of it that look really good because the other thing that Zack Snyder does exceptionally well is he knows how to stage action most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, he does it too much. The scenes go on too long. He needs someone to teach him how to edit himself, um, not in terms of like the, the length of his scenes, but how to edit his scenes efficiently. Because he lets some things go on way too long and then other things cut way too soon. And action is, is, is rhythmic, right? As Directing action is, is like directing music. And you kind of have to have that feel for it. And I'm not sure Zack Snyder does. He's sort of a blunt instrument when it comes to action. But so the, the fiery crash that starts this film is, is well staged. It's shot at night, so it looks very interesting. At least what you can see of it. And 
you know, basically all of this is intended to sort of just set up the outbreak um, because it's it's a military experiment. That's that's what I, I believe we're being led to believe here, that this is a military experiment that's being transported. And, you know, things went bad because of a little bit of roadhead. And it's so goofy and so silly um, that, again, it, it should work, right? You should look at it and go like, ah, of course, this is what causes the zombie outbreak, right? And, but my question is, and I'm very curious to see what you think, how would this movie change if we took this entire sequence out, every last shot of it? What do you think? Because mm. mm. I'm, a, I'm a humble internet man. Um, I don't, I don't know movies, right? I'm just a, I'm just a caveman lawyer. Just back, just, you know, just, just, a just a humble caveman. Um, but I, I'm just a, a humble internet man and I don't know movies, but I know that one thing about movies is that every scene should matter. Oh. And everything that happens in that scene should have importance That's and wait for the plot that is about to be unfolded to you. No. And that if it's if it doesn't, you shouldn't have it in your movie. What? Um, or you should at least consider, you know, cutting it down to its bare minimum to to get through it. But and I have so, all this footage. It's <laughs> so much footage. And now I understand at its core we're seeing, you know, the birth of, of what we'll come to know as the alpha zombie, right? The zombie in charge. Ugh. And I get that. But what other piece of vital information in this this film is, is is given to us in this sequence? And the answer is none, nothing. Um, and it could have all been handled in in some some careful flashback. It really could have been. Uh, not that I'm a big fan of flashbacks, but really, I mean, we just don't need this. Like the zombie outbreak happens because the the thing is, is this movie's not about the zombie outbreak at all. No. Um. <laughs> In fact, the more interesting movie, quite frankly, is is the credit sequence where you see Las Vegas like fall to the zombies. That's interesting. And some of those shots are cool. But this movie is after all of that. And this. This this dangerous zombie infested Las Vegas doesn't really play into this film like at all, um, which I, I think is just a sort of shocking it's a sort of shocking thing in your zombie movie to not really have that many zombies in it. I mean, again, there are zombies in it. I'm not trying to, to anger the internet by saying that there's no zombies in the movie, but there's no like large scale. Like, I mean, think about even Dawn of the Dead, right? That opening sequence as she's driving through her neighborhood and just people are getting taken out left and right and when, cars are and exploding. And like that was scale, a, you know, that's a holdover from the way that Romero makes his dead movies, right? which he always has those sort of textural shots, those establishing shots that show us you know, the state of the zombie invasion for this particular film. Um, and yeah, there's the scale is, is completely wrong. Yeah, completely they're, they're or, or really, missing. <laughs> yeah, there isn't a sense of scale, like almost none. Um, which is very strange. But so the 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 alpha zombie is released. Um, I, I did sort of like when they're radioing in and, and 
I know these guys are supposed to be like soldiers or something, but they seem really unperturbed that all of this stuff has happened. They're just like, whoa, man, it's weird, dude. Like, should we like do something about the thing we've been carrying? And we were just talking about being like aliens and stuff. Should we do something? And they all just kind of stand around and they all get murdered. And I was like, I did like the moment when like the person on the radio is like, get the, like, get away from it. Like right now, like just leave. <laughs> Like, I kind of enjoyed that, you know, like the person on the it's nice to hear like the the voice on the other end of the radio turn and go like, oh, you're all dead. Sorry. Yeah. But it's. Again, this scene is meaningless and it means nothing for the film that we're actually going to see beyond this. Where the zombies come from? Does the zombies came from here? That's it. And why? Why it's do we this need it? Need, it's this need to explain everything. Just in case someone might ask the question, well, where did the zombies come from? How did the yeah. outbreak start? Uh, and I, I feel like that's something that movies are, are more willing to indulge in now. Um, and Zack Snyder is very willing to indulge in that particular habit. Where it's just over-explaining and having all these extra scenes and extra knowledge that we don't really need. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't doesn't propel the story forward in any way. Yeah. I mean, the scene is exceedingly violent, which it does sort of establish the the sort of violence and gore level that you're about to experience. But it's a um, zombie movie. But I mean, it's, no, it's a zombie movie. Like, you know, you're, ain't nobody getting torn in half like in Day of the Dead. Or Shaun of the Dead, for that matter. <laughs> that, to me, is one of the most horrific deaths in any zombie movie ever. You know and, why it was horrific? You know, it was because you cared. Because it was real. <laughs> like, you cared about what happened to the people in the funny zombie movie more than you care yeah. about it in the serious zombie movie. And that's... Ugh. Yeah. Um, also, was this serious? Or was it I, funny? I Well, and that is another problem with Zack Snyder. Is that Zack oh. Snyder doesn't understand tone. Um, because when he wants a scene to be funny, he wants it to be funny. And when he wants it to be scary, he wants it to be scary. And sometimes I think he just loses track of which is, is which. And, you know, because we cut from this horrific scene of the Zambies, you know, eating the military men to a Liberace impersonator playing piano while showgirl zombies without clothes on or murdering Jeremy Piven or something. Um, and it's, it's just very strange. And I, I don't think anybody's going to be put off by it because, quite frankly, tons of movies don't do this, especially in the horror space. Uh, you know, lots of movies struggle to maintain a, a consistent sort of tone. And there will definitely be a, an audience that will appreciate the lack of sincerity, right? Because that's the other piece of this is that I think if this movie was purely played straight i think it would be unwatchable like completely unwatchable because there's nothing to keep your attention there's nothing redeemable about it you don't care about anybody um spoiler everyone dies literally everyone um so there's no one to root for or care for because once they start dying it's pretty quickly understood that nobody's getting out of this like no don't worry you won't you won't miss any of them right yeah yeah their deaths mean nothing yeah they'll just be gone and it's fine 
So let's let's talk about these opening credits. Let's let's do this because I know one of the first things we shared back and forth was your your feelings about this credit sequence. Um, so what do you think? Uh, our our credit sequence, which is is played over like a Vegas show tune. I don't know which one it is, and I'm not going to look it up because I don't care. But it's it's you know one of those like hey we're swinging. It's a Vegas uh, baby. You know it's a, whatever. Um, Wow. Just so much that doesn't matter. And it kept going. And uh, everything yeah. was so slow. And what was that font? And why was it pink? And what were we being shown? What was it supposed... How am I supposed to feel about the events of the credits? I... Yeah, there... Okay, so the credits are, you know, again seen the well before the the you know there's like a break in the credits there's a very obvious like cut to black break in the credits and the first you know sort of quarter of it is just the zombies taking over we see the alpha zombie approach the olympus hotel which has a statue of zeus Ooh, and they have like the a, they have like a, a liberace impersonator, impersonator mm-hmm. and is a, oblivious to the fact that people are just being murdered around him which is great yeah, and and like the the showgirl zombies, but then uh, it just it went on for so long, and then it started to shift away from silliness, and it tried to interject these sort of more serious parts of the credit sequence, but it just it went back and forth, and then like the guy dies in the hot tub, and mm-hmm. I guess, and then. We get what I, I'm guessing Zack Snyder considers backstory, I, uh, <laughs> which it's it's very it's an odd approach to delivering backstory in a film. I'll be honest. But in essence, he is showing us scenes from, I guess, what we're going to call is is the zombie war uh, or the Las Vegas. I don't know what they call it, but it's some kind of war. And Dave Batista is there and all of his friends are there and they're trying to like rescue people it looks like trying to yeah, get people I don't, out of I the city i can't figure out what i'm looking at i i don't think we're meant to know i think we're just meant to know that this is las vegas and there is shooting and dave batista is there and some of the other people are there and it's tragic and then an airstrike right, right. and the, you know there's military airstrikes there's missiles flying everywhere and then there's all these sub stories right because we we literally get and i just these scenes when i watch them the moment that one of the first one came up i just turned my head and i went what because they've got like um like your life touch photo shoots interspersed where it's the character in, in like full regalia what they're wearing on screen you know tack vests bloody and they're standing there holding a picture of I assume the people in their lives who are important to them. This looked like a homeowner's insurance commercial. It's so weird. It's got the full like photo backdrop. It's, it's so weird. And they're just standing there and, and, and looking forlorn. And, and again, I I think this is how Zack Snyder's like, we don't really have time to show these people's lives before all this stuff. We just have too much heist. There's too much heist in this movie, boys we got to get to the heist so we can't have key character background moments. So I'm going to show you them holding a picture. 
So Dave Batista's holding a picture of his family, uh, stepdaughter and wife. Um, uh, Omari Hardwick, uh, Van, Vander Hoven, I, I don't remember his name, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, he's holding a picture of his mom and dad at his graduation. Okay. And then we have this other story that's running of a character who appears nowhere else in the film. Yeah. Uh, she's a mom with the first shot of her. We see as her like getting a little girl out of the street as she's being chased by zombies. And then she turns like an assault rifle on the zombies and kills them. And she's like transitioning from soccer mom to mercenary, I guess. And so then the, she loses the girl, I think. And then she has to rescue the girl again, I think. And she's very sad about it. And she's drinking a lot. And she's shooting things a lot. And then the final shot of the credits is Dave Batista's character and all the rest of the, the people that we've seen rescuing people getting a general. Right, like a, a yeah. high-ranking military official out <laughs> of the city. And what does it all mean? And and so like this this story is like this is his claim, this is like Dave Batista's claim to fame. This is how Hiroyuki Sonata comes to find him. Is that he was this mercenary who like rescued this general. And he got some kind of commendation for it because the other piece is we don't know how long this has been, right? Is this months? Is this weeks? Is this days? We really have have no idea whatsoever. Um, a lot of this scene just feels like Zack Snyder. I wanted to just have big zombie scenes, right? You know, zombie scenes with like hundreds and thousands of people, most of them CG. But. But in this like really tightly controlled way, because the rest of the movie has nothing to do with any of this. Nothing. But so as they get this general out is when they bring in the final um, storage crates, I guess, where they <laughs> build the wall and the mom and her daughter get attacked right as they're running out. Like they've literally made it. And the last moment they get stuck and bit and they get crushed by the storage container in yes. their their last moments in this like tragic Zack Snyder me familia moment it's so weird man and these again these characters do not appear in the rest of the film they have nothing to do with the rest of the film it's just the well, obviously sequence. they're dead now <laughs> yeah they're they're gone and and I guess that's setting you up for the rest of the film like don't get attached to anybody maybe but it's it's just so silly and it my only other thought was that this was all stuff that they actually did shoot to have in the film and having these scenes in the film actually acted and with like dialogue and things occurring made it like four hours long and they were like, no. And so instead that was all cut together as a credit sequence. I, I really don't know, but it, it's so strange and it works it doesn't even really work as a credit sequence. I, I, I can't explain it. It It's a tiny little microcosm of all of Zack Snyder's flaws as a filmmaker. It's excessive. <laughs> it's overly brutal. It's shot adequately, but not great. I, it's set to a terrible song. or It's Viva Las Vegas is the song, and, and it's a terrible rendition of it. And it, The music I, in this movie is terrible. It's bad. All the needle drops are bad. Every single one of them. Um... um 
And I know that music choice. They're almost as bad as that Eddie Vedder drop in Man of Steel. Oh, <laughs> oh God. This, that is the worst part of that movie. Is like, uh, well, he's like climbing out of the water. He's like, whoa. It plays for like 10 seconds and then it ends. It's like, what did you, what are, you why? Why did you even do that? Uh, I, I, I feel like a lot of people have, have come to appreciate like Zack Snyder's needle drops. And I just, just don't. I just don't like it. I think. Some of the music choices in Watchmen were good, but overall, I just think that's a technique that should be used very lightly. Mm -hmm. I I think that you have one perfect needle drop in a lifetime, and Shrek already happened. So (laughs) the Shrek drop has occurred. Yeah, I mean, just tell me that that opener. That's it. That you have before Shrek and after Shrek, (laughs) and and we are in the after Shrek period. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Um, then you are definitely not going to like what movie did my wife, uh, my wife and I watch. Um, oh, we watched Cruella and that movie's entire soundtrack is needle drops. There is no orchestral score. It's all stuff from the sixties and seventies. Every single, every single thing. Like there are killed by dogs. There are so many scenes in that movie that are actually hard to hear the dialogue because there's music playing through the whole thing. It's such a weird choice. I ended up like I I actually enjoyed Cruella well more than way more than I wanted to. Um, It's it's not great. Like it's it's good, Um, but it's mostly it was directed by the guy who did Lars and the Real Girl, so it's capably directed. But it's really worth watching for Emma Thompson alone. She is, I mean, Emma Thompson's been on a roll. Like, she's always good. But she is playing this just, like, absolute scenery-munching villain in that movie. And it's just a joy to watch. Like, she's so evil in that movie. And, And you know that they did it so that Cruella, when she turns evil still sort of pales in comparison so you can still sort of sympathize but she is so over the top in that movie and she's great it's sort of like glenn close's character from devil wears prada but like amped up to i am satan levels like actually i'm satan um it's it's really interesting but anyway uh so yeah you probably wouldn't like that film Solid needle drops but so the credits end and man i i after the credits i was just bewildered i, I was like what is happening what is the situation? I mean, obviously they've walled off Las Vegas with these storage crates. Okay, fine. But is that, is that it? Like, are they just done with Las Vegas now? They're just going to let these zombies foment inside here. That seems a bad idea. Um, But then of course we are introduced to this idea of like these, again, you have to think about when this movie was made. And I think, that this whole refugee camp idea is like Zack Snyder trying to be just marginally political, but he doesn't know how, or he doesn't understand. I don't want to say he doesn't understand politics, but like he doesn't understand this situation well enough to really comment on it. So he's just sort of playing in the sandbox of what things might be like in a kind of refugee slash quarantine camp. I don't even really know why this camp exists. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and guess that it's because these are people that have either been brought out of Las Vegas recently or people who are still being brought out of Las Vegas who maybe have been able to survive in the city. Again, the timeline of this is completely unknown. How long has this been going on? Because we've already been shown that if you get bit, you turn into a zombie in like five seconds. 
it takes right. so much time to explain these meaningless little things. And it spends so much time on meaningless shots and meaningless yep. information. But then it leaves out things that we might like to know. Right. Like the mechanics of this world, Zack Snyder, why are these things happening? Why is this camp outside Las Vegas at all? If, if Las Vegas is truly overrun and there are zombies inside there that are, are a threat to you know, national security or whatever, why would you have a camp of people literally right next to it? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm no, I'm, I'm a humble internet man, but I know geography and there ain't nothing around Las Vegas for miles, like hundreds of miles, nothing. If you want to quarantine people, that's fine, but you don't have to do it right next to the city. You literally don't. You could put those tents anywhere and, and be fine. He just fine. wanted to make it really convenient. <laughs> you know, well, he had to have this idea of the coyotes taking people in and out, which again makes zero sense, but whatever. Uh, so our, we do, you know, before we get to the refugee camp stuff, we do see uh, Dave Batista because even though Dave Batista was this great hero who saved this general, he was some kind of mercenary. He got a medal or something. Uh, now he's flipping burgers. Because that is not at all believable. No, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing we do get a piece of information later that he 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 winds up having to kill his wife but we don't know if that is during the zombie outbreak or sometime after it it's again the timeline is very strange i assume like as the zombie spread through vegas his wife got infected and he was forced to kill her which i can't imagine there would be consequences for that um at least you know in terms of the law um but it, it impaired his relationship with his daughter, which I guess is the main thing. But I, I don't know how he goes from doing that to flipping burgers because mercenaries go where the mercenary money is. And if he was a good mercenary, which apparently he was because he rescued the guy, then one would think that he would just go do other mercenary things. But he's not. And instead, he's flipping burgers. And they kind of they kind of wave it off. Right? Because, like, Hiroyuki Sonata's like, ah, oh, you understand your flipping burgers. And he's like, I'm well aware of my situation, sir. It like, I'm not going hard. to explain it. I just under, I just know where I, what I'm doing. It's, I don't know. It, it's, it's, why? Why couldn't, why couldn't he still just be a mercenary guy? What difference does it make that he's flipping burgers? That he's desperate for money? Well, mercen mercenaries are all desperate for money. That's, that's Everybody's what Everybody's desperate for money. They all want the money. That. And, you know, they, they try to layer on this tragedy and, and by God, Dave Batista's trying that, you know, he had to kill his wife. He, he does the slow stab with the knife into her brain and he's like real sad about it. And it's very nice. But I, I all of this backstory is relevant. All of it's meaningless. I, it's just it's so weird and so strange. And, and then. We have another issue that I guess we should really talk about because anybody watching this will pick up on it immediately. Uh, this film is shot by Zack Snyder. He was his own director of photography. So he was actually doing the camera operating in this film, which, you know, he's not unique in that. Lots of directors like to sit at the camera and, and run the focus themselves. That's that's not necessarily a new thing. But this is the first one that Zack Snyder has done that way. 
And this film has the shallowest depth of field I that I understand. have ever seen. I butter smeared. It's everything is buttery. Every single shot is just in focus foreground element, blown out background. And not blown I, out background like, you know, oh, the background, but like another character in the scene. Yeah. Is out of I focus. I kept joking that it, it must have been to cover up how bad the movie looked. <laughs> just, <laughs> just blur it. Just blur it. And then nobody will be able to see. Um, apparently it ended up being an asset because uh, another thing that this film became immediately famous for was after all of the allegations against Chris D- Delia or Delia, 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 Delia uh, were were levied. Uh, he <laughs> was supposed to be a character in this film, and they they Kevin Spacey'd him. They they yeah. just edited him straight out of the movie and replaced him brilliantly with Tignataro, who is who looks it, great. She looks so good in this dude. She looks fantastic. I love Tignataro. I think she's great. She's a wonderful comedian. I loved her show One Mississippi on Amazon and, and many of the other things she's done. She's great. And she is fantastic in this. She may be the best thing about this, which is sad. Not because Tignatero is bad, but yeah. She kind of seemed like she had read the script and sort of come up with um, a performance. Whereas everyone else seems to have just read the script one time through and, and whatever, whatever <laughs> yeah, popped I mean, out. It's the safer way to go. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, she seemed, I mean, coming in after the fact when she did, the movie was basically done. So from what I understand, she actually saw the completed film before she started shooting her character's scenes. Um, And I don't know if if she just did a straight, you know, dialogue replacement for uh, Delia. I I think she did, you know, improvise some new lines, etc., which would be fine. But, you know, she basically knew everything that she had to do. And the only other person that she acted with in any of the scenes, because she was just against green skate for everything, uh, was, I think, the, the second in command, the, the, the nun from Nacho Fifre. Uh, she <laughs> came in and did one shot because they had to touch. Uh, like she had to put her hand on her shoulder and they couldn't, couldn't CG it. Um, so she had to come back in. But that's the only other actor that she worked with. Everything else was just Snyder and, and you know, a couple crew people on a, a green screen studio. Um, so very strange, r- really weird situation, but for the better, right? I can't really imagine anybody else but Tignataro in that role now, which is probably a good thing. But so this film follows very typical heist movie structure, right? Leader gets drawn into the heist by, you know, mysterious benefactor. He's got to assemble his team. So he goes to all of his old you know, buddies who, again, where are they? I don't know where they are. Are they close to Las Vegas? Are they in another place? Um, Because we're shown in the opening credits. (laughs) (laughs) We're shown in the opening credits that the the second in command, the nurse lady from Nacho Libre, she's like a mechanic. And we're shown like she has a shop and it's like Vegas success story or something. She's like holding a magazine with Vegas success story on it. And so she has a shop again. But I can't I, I can't imagine that it's the shop in Vegas. So she must be somewhere else. But we're, we're never told. And I guess it doesn't matter. Then Amari Hardwick's like doing occupational therapy or something. And 
and they're just getting the team together and this stuff is just so typical in whatever and it's too long <laughs> it's so long like this needs to be an edgar wright style like you know rapid edit four shot pop 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 this pop, was pop, your pop. montage Right. Where, where you yeah. have the the team members who are you know getting on board and, and and ready to jump in, and then you have the extended scenes with the one team member who takes a little more convincing than the others, and then it's over. Yeah. But this just kept going. Yes, and that's and, the theme of this movie. And there are so many going. characters, and the moment that they kept introducing them, I was like, all of these people are dead, all of them. Yeah. Because you don't have this many people in your movie on your team unless they're all going to die. And you need fodder for that cannon. And so it's we get a safe cracker who's who's like a, a silly German boy. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, Tignataro is in there and, and she's introduced smoking next to a fuel pump. <laughs> so <laughs> like just very quickly to establish, you know, her her level of giving a shit about things, which is great. Again, Tignataro may very well be the best thing about this movie, and the fact that she was added in after the fact and never met any of the other actors is just telling of how completely inessential any of the actors are to this film. Yeah. (laughs) She didn't have to work with any of them, and she upstaged them all, uh, which is... to a wall. (laughs) It's just, yeah. Here's a tennis ball that is approximate height of Dave Bautista. Act, Tignataro. Yes, sir. And then she did it better than than even Dave Bautista slash tennis ball ever could. Um, so, I mean, we didn't really spend much time on the filmmaking technique, but the, the depth of field is is a problem in this. Uh, it's very distinctive. And I understand he I watched the, the Wired video where he talked about these crazy prime lenses that he found on eBay and he bought them and retrofitted them to work on the red cameras that they used on the film and, and just how proud he is of them. And he loves them so much and he just thinks they're great. And it's, it's fine. Like I get it. Like Zack Snyder is that kind of filmmaker and I'm fine with it. But the great thing about film and the great thing about technology used to make film is that you should be using the ideal technology to tell your story as effectively as possible, right? So when when Stanley Kubrick went to NASA and had them grind out lenses for him so that he could shoot Barry Lyndon in natural light, he was doing that not because he was like, oh, check out these lenses, bro. He was (laughs) like, I need these so that I can tell this very specific story about this very specific time in history accurately. Right. Because if I light this like a regular movie, everyone will know that it's a regular movie and I don't want that. Right. Like you, you suit your, your technique to your purpose. And, and this is just Zack Snyder saying, I think this looks cool. Therefore it fits and works. And it kind of doesn't because one of the things about zombie movies and horror movies in general, and, and please feel free to correct me on this if you disagree, but I don't think you will is that you kind of need to see what's happening to feel afraid. And if you can't see what's happening, I think it actually diminishes your tension. When, when the zombies who are rushing at you down the hallway are just a blur of shapes moving in the distance, I, I don't know if it's as intimidating as if you could see them, you know, slabbering all over each other 
to get to you. Um, and again, I could be wrong and that's fine, but everything is so out of focus in this movie. Um, even characters, like that's the thing that kills me. Like even his actors are out of focus. 60% of the time. And it's just, it's such a strange choice. Um, you know, I, I understand that, you know, sometimes, oh, like in the King's speech, right? Like they, they specifically made a decision with the King's speech to shoot that movie with wide angle lenses up close. Because what a wide angle lens does when you move it really close to a person is it makes everything feel claustrophobic, right? right. Everything feels small inside the frame because the frame is so wide. It's so big. And then you've got these tiny characters occupying the space in the middle. And so they wanted to show how characters felt trapped by their circumstance and trapped by their disabilities. And, and so it was a, a smart visual choice that reinforced that. But I can't tell if this is a good visual choice other than it's just Zack Snyder thinking it looks cool. And I don't know, man. It just doesn't work for me. It did not work for it's me in this just, at all. It's in the service of nothing. It just It's in the service of being neat. <laughs> I, yeah. I like it. And it's Zack Snyder's movie presented yeah. by Zack Snyder. So that's fine. He can do that. But the question is, 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 is it the best choice? No. Uh, okay. So the, the getting the team together scene goes on literally forever. It's like 15 minutes. <laughs> and we, I mean, like the Omari Hardwick guy, he's got this saw, right? So they spend a lot of time focusing on this saw. It was obviously custom made for the film. And and we do see right during the credit sequence him, him chopping up one zombie with it, right? Like he's also like opening doors and cars with it and stuff, whatever. But we we actually see him dig it up out of a hole in the desert, which okay. <laughs> uh, why? Why? Um, I mean, it's just it's a saw. I mean, it's a very nice saw, but it's construction equipment. I I, I can't imagine that you know the government's gonna come for it. So I, why? Why would he hide this in the desert? I, I, okay, we're we're spending too much time on minutia. I'm going <laughs> to be insane. I'm going to lose my mind. But like, that's what that's what happens with a Zack Snyder movie. Yeah, is I, you get caught on these 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 little things. That it's like, why? Why are you doing it this way? Why? And I get maybe he was like on the run from the government, but it looked like he just like had a job and he was, you know, just doing stuff. I, I don't get the impression that he was like on the lam and he couldn't keep his guns close or anything. Uh, and we get it, it, it. What it feels like is that Zack Snyder had seen John Wick. and He's like, I need my John Wick moment. Right? I need a guy digging something up from the past. That's what I need. And so, you know, John it. Wick was a was a, a cool movie. It's a cool but- movie. Um, we've, we've talked extensively about defining character through quirk, but that's, that is every character in this movie it is a character defined by a single trait or quirk. Um, and, and defined is used very <laughs> Right. Yeah. I, we don't want to make it sound like you're actually going to know anything about these people. Um, but like Dieter is, is like the goofy guy who wants to be Flula Borg really bad. Um, but I guess they couldn't get Flula Borg, which I find difficult to believe. It seems like Flula Borg is usually available for work. Um, yeah. You know, the 
Scott Ward is is the relationship with the daughter and you know having to kill his wife, you know, definition through trauma. Uh, the nurse is in love with Scott, and that's her thing. And then the saw guy, and then the YouTuber who kills zombies for fun and puts it on YouTube, which I'm pretty sure would be against the terms of service. But you know, yeah. I, I but maybe not in the apocalypse. Maybe, maybe not in the apocalypse. Maybe, maybe Susan loosen will loosen will loosen her grasp a little bit when right. the zombies come. Maybe, maybe Susan is a zombie. Yeah, maybe they were like, you know, headshots are cool with us, bro, uh, both in video games and real life. But they get the team together. They stand in a warehouse for a while. They go over the plan. It's very silly. Um, a lot of people have pointed this out. This is not a, a, an incredible observation on my part. But so Tanaka is the one asking them to go in and open this vault, right, to get this $200 million. We know that that's not the real plan. It's obvious that's not what they really care about. Whatever. But he, the, the plan is for them to go into this place and get this vault open and get this money, at least on the surface. And so that means that it's Tanaka's vault. It's his. He owns it. He has access to it. But yet they still need someone who can crack it. Yeah. I, I do not understand this. Because it implies that Tanaka doesn't know how to open his own vault. Did no one write it down? Was it was it lost? Was the combination lost in the office of the manager at the hotel? Is it because of the zombies? Did the zombies it? eat the combination? Did uh, the zombies take it? I. This is the most bewildering plot point to me in the film. I. It makes no sense. And the fact that no one mentions, I mean, if I would have been fine with it, if a character mentioned and said, like, well, can't you just give it to us? And then he's like, nah, <laughs> like, I guess that would be fine. That actually would have been really funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I would have given the movie points if it had done right, that. Like, just that actually a, said, nah, nah, you know, just you know, figure it out. I don't know. I mean, I get that it's supposed to be some like incredible vault like they all, you know, it's the thing that movies always do where they're like, oh, it's the uncrackable vault. It's, you know, whatever. Like, I, I get it. But I, I just it makes no sense to me that the guy who owns the casino and would theoretically be able to go get the money out of it at any time wouldn't know how to get into the vault. But anyway, OK, so uh, again, no, oh, Zack Snyder. Hmm. In the pursuit of being cool, he just leaves so many things on the table. And uh, so the the whole twist of this film, if one can even have it, because it's it's so telegraphed because they reach the vault at the midway point in the movie. Uh, which immediately communicated to me that this is not going to be about a movie about them getting this money and getting out of the city. That's not what we're doing here. Um, if it wasn't obvious from the beginning, but it, it definitely is obvious by that point. So I, I guess let's hit the plan just very quickly. They need to get into the city, but not by helicopter because the government doesn't like that. So they have to get in. They have to go to the hotel, which is apparently not that far from where they're going to get in. They need to go down into the bowels of said hotel to the vault. Well, they have to turn on the power, but whatever. They have to go down to the vault, open the vault, get the $200 million carry it all the way to the roof of the hotel, put it on a helicopter that is not currently functional 
but they believe they can render functional with no spare parts, no tools, and just a couple gallons of gasoline, and then escape in a helicopter that they can't fly in on, but apparently they can fly out in without the government also being angry. So everyone is going to die. Everyone is going to die. Yeah. And I, I do want to point out, I, I was going to look this up. Let me, let me see if I can do it real quick. All right. So $1 million in cash. Okay. One one million dollars in cash. Now this is they do specifically say this is all in hundreds, not dollars. But a a million dollars in in dollars is one ton, right? So we can presume that you know a million dollars in hundreds would be a tenth of that or a hundredth of that, I suppose. So maybe two hundred pounds. And there's $200 million. So $200 million at 200 pounds per million. I, I don't think there are enough bags that they could put onto people to get that money out of that place. And... And no, again, no one mentions it. I'm not even sure a helicopter could take off with that much weight in it, plus people. I, okay. That, I mean, I was not plagued by that. However, you're right. I, I know. <laughs> I mean, I, you are right. Mm, I, I, mm, okay. I, I it's don't, a dark path that you go down. <laughs> Right. I, I shouldn't do this. Um, yeah, it would weigh it would weigh roughly four thousand pounds. <laughs> right. Four thousand pounds in hundreds is two hundred million dollars. Two tons. Right. So so they have to transport two tons worth of money to the top of this building with. I mean, I think the elevators are working, but even still. I's oh man oh my god okay uh it doesn't matter because none of that happens okay none of that happens at all because this is not a movie that's about money uh at a certain point so they get into the city and and they they start going through and now we start to see the 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 land of the zambies right not george romero's land of the zambies but Zack snyder's so they go in and they have to go in with a coyote. So they're smuggled into the quarantine zone. And then a coyote is going to take them into the city through apparently a very easy method through these, these crates that they've used to create this wall, which just seems problematic given how dangerous it would be if a zombie got out. But they're going to go through into this wasteland and they're going to go, you know, get this money. And when they walk in, we get a cool thing, which is that it's so hot in Las Vegas that the zombies have quite literally desiccated, right? They didn't die. They just lost all the fluids in their bodies and they're just sort of like 
husks laying there on the ground. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's heavily implied that they're not dead. Right? And that when there's a hard rain, which of course is very rare, but it can happen, they can come back, right? They can rehydrate. And I was like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. I was like, I kind of like can to see, we a, see that? a rehydrated zombie. That sounds kind of neat. Probably like that scene like, where the zombie comes out of the oil drum in, in uh, Return of the Living Dead. Pretty kind of cool. And no, uh, no. that is never seen, mentioned, or discussed again. Uh, Look, it w- the movie doesn't have time for your neat ideas. You know, it has a heist to get through <laughs> it of will, a type. It, w- it will probably be in one of the prequel films that were purchased as part of this franchise deal. Yeah, because this was purchased by Netflix as a, a franchise of prequels, sequels, comic book tie-ins, uh, uh, presumably a video game or a mobile game at some point. Uh, I presume we'll have a mobile game where Dave Bautista is the, is the star and they're going to place him. Uh, but yeah, it like it just dies on the vine, like just never mentioned again. But so the the main complication at this stage is that Dave Batista's daughter, she befriended a lady at the camp. She's a volunteer. She's doing her part to make the world a better place, much to Dave Batista's chagrin. And she befriended a lady, and I, I honestly am struggling to remember the plot point. I think she left some money in, a, in her apartment in Las Vegas. And she wanted to go back in to get it to make it easier for her family to, you know, like, you know, move on. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't it's not really talked about. But so she goes back into Las Vegas. The coyote takes her in and then just kind of ditches her, which, you know, doesn't give anyone pause. Not even for a moment. Does this team go like, hey, this is somebody we should trust. Because she took this lady, just this random lady into the city and then was just like, peace, I'm out. Um, so is that good for us or bad for us? That's, Who knows? That's just showing you how depraved everyone is. Yes. At the end of the rope, that's nobody right. cares about anybody because it's the zombie apocalypse. The level of depravity is, is it just knows no bounds, right? Social commentary. But what what this ultimately leads to is that the daughter demands to be able to go into the city with them. And Batista, after a very short scene, relents because she pretty much just stamps her foot on the ground and says, I'm going to go. And he's like, OK. <laughs> and uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. She gets everybody in this movie killed. Every single person dies yeah. because this girl is with them. And I don't know if that was intentional, if that was Zack Snyder saying never help people. <laughs> Don't be lesson a, is never try. Don't be a helpful person. It's like he's like, you know, he's bizarro Mr. Rogers, or he's like, always look for the people who aren't helping. Right? Like maybe that's what Zack Snyder's going for here. Uh, but she goes with them, and and this is immediately a bad choice, and everybody knows it's a bad choice. And I, I just want to point out that we are quite literally um, 45 minutes into this movie. And nothing has happened. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. I have nothing. never checked Twitter so much during a movie. I mean, 
I guess at some point this is supposed to be character development, but it's not. It's not character development. It's just characters because we're not learning anything. doing things that have no bearing or meaning to to the plot. Um and it's it's incredibly frustrating. And I, I just it it makes no sense. It, it it's it's a struggle to get through this part of the movie. I really think the film could have started as they entered the city and it would have been fine. Like none of this stuff matters. Uh, and it, it, and it ends up being just kind of infuriating. I, I really don't know. And, and arguably all of Zack Snyder's movies start slow. All of them do. Um, even his good ones start slow. The best one is Dawn of the Dead because it opens and pretty much is immediately into action. But the moment after the action, it slows right back down. And then it just takes another half an hour before anything gets going. And that works fine when the the film suits it. But this, when this slowed down, it wasn't slowing down to show me anything. It certainly doesn't feel like it, especially given where the film goes. None of this information that is shared with us is is, is all that useful. It's just not. And so... The only other addition that we get is that one of these border patrol agents, we're not even clearly shown what they are, some kind of, he's exactly what you think a, a terrible border agent would be, right? He's obviously like a rapist and he's terrible and he, you know, goes into the city with them and we quickly find out that that's a setup because as we enter the city, we are rapidly introduced to Zack Snyder's updated idea of what zombies are. So this film has classes of zombies, like a video game, like Left 4 Dead, right? Mm. And so there are alpha zombies who are these incredibly fast, incredibly powerful. Basically, the, the guy who broke out of the container at the beginning is the alpha, but when he bites someone and they change, they turn into alpha zombies or these these thinking zombies or some level of reason. We don't really know. If one of those zombies bites somebody and they turn into a zombie, then they become one of like the mindless. I think they call them shamblers in this. I don't yeah. I think some it doesn't matter. Um, but they become like the mindless, you know, just sort of drooling hordes who, who chase you. But the alphas are different. And so the alpha has been breeding for quite some time other alphas. And, and that is the titular army of the dead in this film. Um, it is these alpha zombies that have, have taken over the city. And so they walk into the city expecting that it's just going to be full of the shamblers. But in reality, the shamblers are either the desiccated husks who are just sort of batting against the wall or they're, they're like hibernating inside of buildings. And it's the alphas who run the show. And, and it's, it's immediate. I mean, they walk in the door and they're just there, uh, which, again, plot convenience. It's a movie. I, I don't want to spend too much time belittling it. Um, but they meet the queen uh, zombie. Right. Uh, she is the, the wife, I guess, the, the beloved, the betrothed, uh, the princess bride uh, of the alpha. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Garrett Dillahunt's in this movie. I almost forgot. 
there's so many people in it that I forgot that Garrett Dillahunt's in it, and and he's fine um, playing smarmy guy. Uh, he he doesn't do anything other than be smarmy guy, but he does smarmy guy well and has for years. But we're we're told ultimately that they have to deliver a sacrifice to the alpha zombies. That's how the coyotes are able to move around the city. Is you have to give them someone that they can turn into a new alpha zombie because presumably all of the people in Las Vegas are either shamblers or just dead. And, and so if they're going to grow the army of the dead, they need fresh recruits. And so the coyotes have somehow been smuggling people in knowing that a couple of them weren't going to make it and then offering them as sacrifices to the alphas so that they could have passage into the city, which seems a sort of untenable proposition. Right. If this is a refugee camp and people are being, you know, actively monitored for whether or not they turn into zombies, you would think they'd start noticing that they're going missing. But again, I digress. I can't get tied up in these things. This is a Zack Snyder joint. These kinds of details are irrelevant to uh, the man with the plan, Zack Snyder. And uh, we're just going to let it go because what we need to do is show you one of Siegfried's and Siegfried and Roy's tigers that's been zombified because that's what we're here to do. And <laughs> um in concept this is cool right this is probably one of the cooler ideas in this it would have been really cool to see that in like 1998 in a movie yeah this would have been a cool thing in like the las vegas version of i am legend that's what this yeah. would have been cool in but in this and it's used so it, they basically they get a money shot and then it just kind of walks away and they don't really have to deal with it again ever in the film <laughs> until a key moment that's, uh, you know, you kind of see coming. But then they begin just kind of like walking through the city, like no big deal. <laughs> right? Like nobody seems especially perturbed. Their guns aren't up. They're just kind of having conversations, chilling out. And then they sacrifice the, the border patrol guy because he's obviously a bad person. And it's OK to sacrifice bad people to the zombies. Uh, good people, we got to be careful. But bad people, no, it's, it's all good. It's fine. Um, so they sacrifice him. The zombie queen shows up, and and she's uh, a Vegas showgirl, I guess. Uh, I I think that's the idea. Um, or or if she wasn't, she's wearing the garb of one. I guess we can at least say that she she is indeed wearing uh, you know, showgirl outfit of some kind, or maybe she, maybe she was a magician's assistant. That would be great. That actually would be fantastic because there is a point where she's kind of prancing and she's kind of got her arms behind her back and, and she's doing this like little, little like, you know, ballet dancers prance. And I was like, is she like exiting stage? Right. Is that what's happening? Is she remembering her former life or, you know, the, the crazy man in the tuxedo cut her in half, but for real, uh, so they're, they they try to, I mean, again, Zack Snyder's bad with tone and morality. Like he doesn't really have like a moral compass in his films that I can tell. I don't think, I don't think Zack Snyder has a real good handle on good and bad or, or right and wrong, <laughs> at least not where his movies are concerned. <laughs> and so like they, they have a discussion about whether or not this is the right thing to do and it doesn't end. And they all just kind of go like, eh. And they just leave the guy there to to die. 
uh, at the hands of the alphas, uh, which he he does. So of course he can come back later and, and you know get his his revenge kill. I suppose. I. Uh, what do you think of the alpha zombies in this? Um, they obviously spent a lot of time both on their design and, you know, how they would move and, and the things they would do. But, but I, mm. I don't see why they spent so much time designing this zombie and, and setting up this zombie. I was instantly taken back to a movie that I felt at the time was was really great and 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 is a little bit underrated, maybe better respected now. Um, and I kept thinking of it all throughout the film, and just as it went on, it got a little bit stronger. And that movie is Land of the Dead. Yeah, I really enjoyed Land of the Dead. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of George Romero's movies. I don't know if you could tell. Um, and I felt like this. This was really trying to serve up like a, a Las Vegas, Zack Snyderized version of Land of the Dead. And these these thinking zombies, you know, that's been done before. And yeah. Thinking smart totally. zombies that have concept. a civilization. Mm-hmm. That's that's never that's that's been done by by the man himself. George Romero started on that with Day of the Dead. And I think continued a lot of those themes really heavily in Land of the Dead because it does deal with you know, conscious zombies that that lead a charge or lead an army, if you will. Um, so I I kept getting flashbacks to Land of the Dead, and again, you know, we we started the podcast by saying you shouldn't make us think of a better movie while we're watching your movie. Mm-hmm. It's a bad idea. But mm-hmm. but that's that's what the alpha zombies were making me think of. But it was like an overwrought presentation of the thinking zombie and like why do we have to make it so complicated uh yeah um did we really need lore building for the thinking zombie well apparently um the other thing that i'm i'm i am not surprised but i'm i still don't understand it is that and Snyder has said this before. He he himself is kind of like a fitness dude, and if you've ever seen Zack Snyder, that's obvious. He's in very good shape. Um, but he 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 feels the need to make everything, and I mean everything, sexy. He just can't help it. And so even the zombies in this, at least the ones we see the most, are hot. Like I think he his camera believes that the queen zombie is hot i mean this is this is the same trap that michael bay falls into and i'm i we haven't really touched on this yet but we said it before we started recording Zack snyder is every bit as as you said the neck beards michael bay and i am actually a bigger fan of michael bay because i feel like at least he's a (laughs) bit more honest michael bay owns what, what he, is. he is he is totally fine with it um, um yeah. but yeah his framing is is very similar where everything is i mean it's a it's a disgusting zombie queen it's not supposed to be sexy but yet the camera is telling us that it is and that's it's not I mean, okay <laughs> we I guess if you want to have sexy zombies that 
I understand. I mean, there there have been some media before that is, you know, I guess made that work to to mostly comedic effect. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I don't understand it. I just don't get it. And it started with the showgirl zombies in the very beginning of it, the movie. It did. Yeah, I mean, that's where it was trying to show them as as sexy and it's okay. Sure, I guess. Why? <laughs> Why does everything have to be sexy? Yeah, and it's it's Why can't it just be gross? I mean, and and I understand that like you're you're committing something to celluloid, you're committing something to film. You want it to be at this especially for someone like Snyder, he seems to have this need to put it at this this maximal level, right? Like it must be the the best, most essential version of this thing, right? It's not just a Batmobile. It's it's a it's the ultimate Batmobile killing machine, right? Like it's it's everything just amped up. Again, this this could just be called Zack Snyder's Excess of the Dead, right? It's just it's everything about Zack Snyder that you either absolutely love or absolutely hate distilled down to one. And it's just, it's such a, it's just a weird combination. And I, I don't know what, what its overall effect is other than I don't really enjoy watching it that much. And so there's, there's a lot of like balletic movement with the zombies, right? A lot of like butt shots, frankly, <laughs> it's just a bunch. And I, I don't, I just, I don't get it. And I don't know why we, it's like, he wants us to feel sympathy for the zombies, right? Like, and, and I, I get that. I mean, again, he's not the first to do that. I mean, in the film that I, I think a lot of his ideas began with is a remake of day of the dead in day of the dead. We are meant to begin to understand the zombies and what they are and what their potential might be in the case of Bub. And, and so, I mean, like, this is not new ground. There is nothing about this that is like, Hey, I've never thought about zombies in this context before, but we've never then layered over the top of that with like, Hey, zombies are kind of hot, kind of hot. Like kind of into these zombies. Like, and, and it's just such a weird place to go. Um, not necessarily bad. I mean, if you're into that thing, if you if you wanted to have it, in, it well, not implied, but straight up shown that uh, zombies can can get it on and and uh, in, impregnate uh, uh, each other um, and create new baby zombies. Well, this is the movie for you. And, uh, I I don't know. I I don't know what that is like. I don't know what that means. And I'm not sure that it's a good thing. So hot zombies, right? That's what we're going for here. We want them zombies, but we we need them to be a little bit sweet on the eyes. What I'm talking about. Got to look good. That's just the worst. It's, it's the worst idea. (laughs) <laughs> um because you're h-a-w-t zombies i mean you're you're instantly you're instantly messing with tone whenever you do stuff like that because i feel like it's harder to take the zombies seriously when they're framed in that way and there are oh, lots of silly yeah. zombies in this movie like it does the silly zombie thing a lot yes yeah. more a- often than not uh they're they're goofy zombies yeah um 
There are also martial arts zombies, which I think mm-hmm. is a bold choice as well. Zombies that have retained their martial arts skills in death. Uh, there's, a, there's a bit of wall running, some flipping. So all kinds of interesting stuff that the zombies get up to uh, in this, this particular film. And I, I'm, I'm no zombie purist, right? I don't need them to shuffle along and walk. I, I think that's, I mean, one of the things that Dawn of the Dead, people did not love that film. I, I don't like that Dawn of the Dead is now being sort of retroactively viewed as this great zombie film. It made money. It did. Um, not a ton, but enough. It, it was fine. But the thing that people harped on, even the people who didn't like it, was that they thought that the, the running zombies were a sort of interesting modern update, right? Given that, and again, this is all old news, none of this is fresh, but like, you know, George Romero's zombies, especially in Dawn of the Dead, were this metaphor for the sort of shambling, slow onrush of communism, right? Of of the world changing in these slow but inevitable ways. And you could outrun it. You could hide from it. You could, you know, live this this posh life for a while, but it was going to get you, right? But Dawn of the Dead and and 28 Days Later as well introduced the fast zombie, the rabid zombie, that it's more like the war on terror where it's sudden, violent, and unstoppable, right? There's no, there's no way to get away because this thing is, is coming for you. And, and it was a nice sort of update to a classic horror movie trope. And, and so Dawn of the Dead certainly contributed to that. But I don't know if we need to continue sort of layering on top of that with this complexity. And the, by far the, the birth component of this, the, the zombies getting busy component of this is the strangest. Um, again, apparently there's a lot of backstory that we don't get in this movie, which is shocking given how much time has been spent trying to establish some of this world. But so from what I've little additional reading I've done on, on what this movie is trying to do is that the zombies were created because of aliens and, uh, alien experimentation at area 51 released something that then mutated one of the soldiers. So there are a couple of shots in this, this movie of, of like blue stuff when the zombies get killed. Um, there's like this blue glowy crap inside of them when they die, especially the alpha zombies. And, and the implication is that they've, they've got some kind of like alien stuff in them. And, and that's what's causing all of this. So, even the the baby, when we're eventually shown it, because you know, of course it's a Zack Snyder movie, we're going to see that zombie baby one way or the other. Um, Zack Snyder tradition. It's it's tradition at this point. You must see a zombie baby in a Zack Snyder zombie film, or else it's not a real Zack Snyder zombie film. And it, it's blue, right? It's like this blue color, and I don't think because it was you know, not respirating properly, <laughs> something tells me it didn't really need to respirate inside of its dead mother, the who was also baby not didn't respirating. Have a very good nurse. It didn't. It just man, it needed a really good zombie Nikki. We need to, to get survive. it to the zombie hospital, or else it won't survive. <laughs> How will this zombie baby live? <laughs> Such a stupid idea, Jesus. <laughs> uh, you've been saying it out loud makes my brain hurt um so there the the 
the zombies are getting busy and our intrepid explorers have to go through a building. Las Vegas is literally destroyed. There is nothing there. Everything's been leveled, save for a few of these casinos, and they feel the need to go through this building. I don't know why. We all know why, because they need a zombie scene. And Zack Snyder saw John Wick, and he wanted to have some close-up fighting stuff. Well, and also they and, and we get finish. that. You know, they need to That's be right. tight and find spaces. We we have to, to and we have to take out our Vasquez character in a blaze of glory. Yeah. Uh, which I, I do want to talk about that scene briefly because she gets betrayed. Uh, Garrett Dillahunt's character, Martin, I think, uh, is bad. Of course he's bad. He's meant to be bad. And so he betrays her by locking her in a room because she says, I'm on to you, man. Like, we know you're here to do bad stuff. She doesn't do anything about it. It's like she could just shoot him and that would be fine. But she doesn't. And all the zombies are hibernating. Wait, I forgot about that. Scratch that. Reverse it. Roll it back. All the zombies are hibernating because, of course, that's what they do. That's what zombies do. That's what zombies do. And so as long as they don't bother them, they can just sort of walk right by, which, again, whatever. Uh, So she's going through. She gets trapped. She gets disturbed. And then she's like, you know, shooting zombies violently and and doing John Wick moves badly. And but the, the thing that just blows my mind is like. You think she's dead, that she's been trapped, but then she like jumps through a window into the hallway where literally all of our other characters are. They're all there in this hallway and they're all watching as she is fighting off a group of zombies successfully, right? She kills a bunch of them and they, they don't, they don't do anything. Um, They don't run towards her. They don't throw a grenade behind her to take out the zombies that are coming. They don't try and shoot. I mean, we've already been shown that these people are incredibly deadly shots, like just headshot, 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 headshot. No problem. But yet they don't do anything to try and shoot. I mean, like her, her partner, her buddy, his YouTube videos were about him getting headshots in crazy ways on zombies. And he is just standing 15 ish feet 20 away from her as she is then mauled by a couple of zombies and he just kind of looks on forlornly like ah oh, wish there was something i could do like what you're not even gonna try you're not gonna run up there and and i mean do they i mean i guess they might think she's already been bit so what's the point but there's just nothing said. They just stare while she's eaten alive. And then the last thing that the guy, the, the crack shot, like the dude who is, who can just get these crazy headshots. He shoots a single bullet, just one directly into the gas tank that is on her back and blows it up and, and saves her from the, the unfortunate demise of being a zombie <laughs> and kills the other zombies at the time. You're welcome. You're welcome, buddy best friendo of mine. I'm like, if you're accurate enough with a Kalishnikov, I might say like not an accurate gun. Kalishnikovs are not accurate on the best of days. With a Kalishnikov, he is able to just single shot a tiny grenade can on somebody's back flawlessly. You telling me you couldn't have headshot a zombie from that range? What the hell? Like, but again, this is Zack Snyder doing what Zack Snyder does. This woman must die in this moment and she must die gloriously. 
It's therefore this scenario. Right. There, there must be the spectacle. And, and it's, it's just, it's crazy. It just makes no sense. It makes the, it renders the characters ineffectual and pointless immediately. Cause this is technically the first death of the squad, right? This is it. And, and it's so inept that it just sort of sets the worst tone for the rest of it. At this point, again, I, I was on my phone a lot. I, I apologize, but I, I was. And at this point, I pretty much just checked out because I'm like, oh, all these people are dead. If this girl's dead after putting up this kind of fight, because she literally kills like 45 zombies on her way out of this place. Oh, and the other thing is in these these long moments as she's staring at these people who are like 20 feet away from her. She doesn't just yell, Martin did it. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't have the wherewithal to say, hey, that guy standing right behind you, it was him. He trapped me and got me killed. She doesn't even communicate that to them. And it, it's, it's There's bewildering. No time. There's it's no time. Bewildering. <sighs> okay. So anyway, we find out this isn't about the money at all. Surprise. In fact, it's about the collection of a zombie brain. Because the military dudes... And I think one of them is even the guy that that Batista rescued at the beginning. I'm pretty sure one of them is. I didn't go back to look because, again, who cares? But they they want the zombie head because they still want to do their experiments, right? They're Wayland Yutani, but in you know army suits, and uh, and 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 they're going to get their their zombie head back. That's what this is all about. And so again, I'm just going to ask you this question. Why, why go to all this trouble? Mm. It's obviously not hard to get into Las Vegas. Right? Literally anybody can do it. You just need the head of one of these zombies. The coyotes know how to call them. They know how to lure them. And they know how to placate them. So that you can just go into the town and do whatever you want. Why not just send in the team to do that? Why, you ask why too many all this questions ru- is the problem. <laughs> why all this ruse? Why bring all these other people? Just send in three guys with automatic rifles and a Garrett wire. Done. Get the zombie. Get out. It's obviously not hard. Apparently this coyote moves back and forth. No problems. No one even seems to care. So just do it. I, it's just... It, it, uh, I don't like cinema sensing stuff. Like I don't. It's such a waste of time. But this movie just keeps punching you in the face with dumb things. It's, it's like just not really giving you a choice. No, this isn't like looking at it being like, well, this guy's not wearing blue, so it doesn't work. Ding. Right? It's not that. It's it's like, wait, whoa. I mean, there were like five times in this movie where I just even though I was barely paying attention, I went like, wait, what? Huh? What? And it, it's just, it, at a certain point, it just wears you down to where you just don't care anymore. And maybe that was the point. Maybe that's what Snyder wants. He just wants to beat you down with so many bad ideas. They just kind of go like, okay. Well, All right, Zack Snyder. I got you. Obviously, it's working because people leave most of his other movies and convince themselves that they had a good time. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly seems to be the case that, uh, you know, 
and I'll, I'll say that, you know, I enjoyed the, the Snyder Cut of Justice League for the most part. Again, it's, it's so long. It's basically six movies, but it was certainly an improvement over the other version, which again, isn't saying a ton. And it was fine. Like, I, in, in some ways, Snyder's successes can be an asset, right? If you're making a particular type of movie. But in, in this one, it just, it, it just doesn't work for me. Um, I, I like the setup. I like the scenario. I like most of the actors. I like the big budget zombie stuff. But, but it's it's a it's a, a very potent reminder that it doesn't matter how cool stuff is if it's in the service of nothing. It it's it's still not going to work. And and that's kind of what's happening here. It's it's not in service of anything. So that woman dies. Um, <laughs> Garrett Garrett Dillahunt gets his zombie head, and it's and of course he doesn't just kill any old random alpha zombie. There are obviously a bunch of them. He kills the queen, and she unleashes some kind of scream, uh, a very distinctive one, I guess, and it alerts the other alpha zombies that she's dead, and that begins the the sort of steady decline of of this film because now the the army of alpha zombies is coming for them because they they broke the pact whatever that is and they've enraged the group um and i just i don't know how much else we could talk about because there's really not much else that happens once the army of the dead begins attacking they they do have to still get into the vault as ridiculous as that is, because they should have just been handed the combination, but whatever. Um, I, I guess one scene worth mentioning is that as they are approaching the vault, they were told that there were booby traps. Um, and, you know, hey, I'm just an internet man. I'm not an architectural designer, but I'm pretty sure it would be incredibly illegal to build in pressure plate booby traps a la Indiana Jones into your vault hallway where like maybe a, a you know, a member Custodian. of the cleaning staff yeah, would just sort of wander down there to polish a floor and then get immediately crushed by two giant pillars that would fall on them or, or shot with machine guns. I, I didn't understand this sequence at all. And the fact that it's, it's also coupled Uh, there is an implication of time travel or a time loop in this film as well. Because as they're in the hallway and, and looking around, there are bodies on the floor, or at least we're, we're told that they are. We don't actually see them in the context of any of the characters in the thing, but we just see these little intercut shots. And Omari Hardwick's character implies that maybe this is not the first time that they have run this heist and that what they're seeing on the floor are actually their previous versions, dead bodies that already failed at the mission and, and are now rotting in the bottom of this thing. Uh, we even get little, little like flash, you know, like flash cuts showing the previous versions of the characters doing these things. And I don't, I don't know what this is. Well, yeah, why was this in the movie? I, I don't know. And 
it might relate to some other thing. Um, maybe, maybe that's how we get all these characters back is that this is a time loop and nobody knows it. And maybe the nuclear bomb triggered it because nuclear bombs are cool and they make time travel stuff or something. I, 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 this was a part, this was another one of the parts where I just sort of shook my head and went, what? Some of this stuff, you have to wonder if it was just tacked on. Once they arranged all the prequels and sequels, like, right? We should put some stuff in there like that gives us some place crumbs. to go. <laughs> yeah, I. It feels like it could be that, but in the context of this story that they are telling, it's, it's nonsense. Stupid. It's just nonsense, and I, I, I can't explain it. I really don't know. Uh, so then we get another funny scene. Ha <laughs> ha! Funny, funny, funny stuff. Where they make a zombie walk down the hallway, and then we see it set off all the booby traps. Ah, uh, uh, lol. <laughs> you know, get it? It's, it's like that scene in Day of the Dead where they make Bub do things like answer a telephone. <laughs> it's fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, we 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 are told that uh, the lady that the daughter is looking for is somehow still alive. Uh, the alpha zombies apparently are creating a harem. I think that's the implication. Is that what you got? Mm-hmm. They're they're trying to get some other ladies of a certain age, if I can put it that way. Because uh, these the zombie army needs to grow, and they've run out of humans to bite. And so the only other way to make that army grow is to have teeny tiny zombie babies. Uh, as many as they can. And, you know, they, they got to get it all. And so maybe that's what these ladies are going to be, is, is the zombie baby makers, right? They're the queen aliens. Um, but she's still alive, inexplicably. And that will drive the remainder of the film. Because the daughter, for no reason, uh, just runs off. To find her. Uh, I'm not, again, I'm a humble internet man. I don't know anything. But I think Las Vegas is kind of big. I think it's fairly big. Did you say that? It's it's a large American city. Yeah. Decently sized. Yeah. You know, that means it seems seems sizable to cover on foot. On foot, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um, to cover on foot alone during a zombie outbreak. With no supplies or equipment uh, at all, but our our intrepid heroes, the uh, the implication is that they she's she's just going to take off. She's going to go find this in in the vast expanse that is Las Vegas. She's just going to find this lady, uh, presumably by walking through the streets and and loudly screaming her name, which I think is always a smart move That's in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. You just keep yelling, you know. Helga hello. or whatever her name is. They could I don't have know. totally ripped off Day of the Dead and just started go hello. 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 And then have that soundtrack. Yeah. And Might and I guess that. she was just hoping to to find her. It's it's the dumbest thing and it gets everyone killed. <laughs> everyone gets killed because she just runs off with I mean she's got a handgun, so I guess that's something, but um we we do get a, a lovely Garretting scene. We have to mention that uh, you know, Garrett Headland just just takes off that zombie head and uh, then throws it in a bag. But uh, 
that triggers all the bad things to come because the uh, alpha zombies are are very angry about their queen being killed. Surprisingly Uh, in, in in this grand plan that he put together here to bring this team of experts into the city to steal a bunch of money that no one wants or needs just as a ruse to obtain the head of an alpha zombie that they saw literally 30 seconds after coming into the city. He has no plan for getting out effectively except by using the helicopter that they're going to have on the top of the top of the roof, um, which seems like a bad move, but whatever. Uh, and, and yeah, like he just, he, he's just good. I'm like, why didn't you just come into the city and do that? Why not? Why, why did you, what a, why all this pretense? It's so dumb. Uh, it, Okay, I can't. I can't keep doing this. We're, we're going to be here <laughs> it's, forever. It's just uh, sighing and nitpicking now. It's just nitpicking. Uh, so, Tignataro gets some other good scenes. Uh, she's trying to fix the helicopter and it's not working, and she's all you know doing the the frustrated you know, ah goddamn it piece 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 of crap. Uh, and it looks good, and I, I want to say unequivocally that the scene ninety nine percent of the scenes that she's in are are great. Like whether it's just her on the green screen or her inside a fake helicopter, like she's really good uh, in all of this. Yeah. And and I, I really enjoyed her. And most of the scenes where they are, are putting her in with the other characters, you cannot tell. Like you, you even knowing that that's what they did and me looking at it, I did not know. Um, it's shockingly well done. And I, I know it's because the movie was done, so they knew exactly what they needed from her. And, and in interviews, she said as much that basically they would put marks on the floor and say, you're going to walk from here to here. You're going to turn your head this direction and they would run it. And then they had some kind of setup where they could layer her performance over Delia's performance and then sort of see what it was going to look like. And then be like, OK, we're going to do that again. But this time we're going to do this. And, and so they were able to just mirror it very closely the only shot that doesn't work is the last shot of her in the film yeah um because it's in the dark and you could tell they were really struggling to get the lighting the same um and it's it's her her death shot basically which again pains me to say because she's the best character in the movie um but that's the only one uh but so the the daughter goes on this adventure to try to find this woman and just by pure happenstance she does like she's literally just walking around this 40-story hotel and she's just like, oh, you know, hi, I found you. And like, it's nothing. I'm like, what? Isn't this where all of the zombies are? I mean, I know the yeah. army is like, I know the army's like out hunting or whatever, but it's it just, it's nonsensical. And then somehow Dave Batista knows that his daughter's in that building. Even though he would not have any way of knowing for sure that that's where she was. feel it because he's her father. He's her dad. That's right. It's That's like a Darth Vader. It's like a Darth Vader, Vader the Force thing, right? Oh yeah, I, you know I definitely just. Works. I can definitely just sense the geographic location of yeah. my children. No problem. It's like find my iPhone, but it's built in <laughs> for your kids. And so again, in another like dumb alien thing. Oh, the coyote dies, and she throws the 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 lady zombie head off a building, and we see it just go like on the ground, which that was nice. I mean, it's a good practical effect, I guess. Probably just dropped like a honeydew melon over the side of a building and then filmed it as, <laughs> but put a bunch of like guts in there. Like, ah, yeah, this is awesome. We're having a great time filming this army. <laughs> um, 
So the, the, the final sequence, they escape the initial hotel in the helicopter, but instead of leaving because the daughter is gone and David Batista won't leave without his daughter, they go to the other hotel, the one with the Greek mythology references, to rescue the mom who one of them gets killed immediately by the border patrol zombie because, you know, he needs to have his moment to shine, I guess. And but the, the ensuing fight is what allows is what's allow what allows Dave Batista to know where his daughter is, presumably. And Dave Batista was in fact just walking through the hallways of this hotel yelling his daughter's name. Which yes. you know, it seems like a great choice in a zombie infested hotel to just scream random people's names and see what happens. I do love that the Alpha Zombie uh, the big thing that sets him apart from all the other zombies that he's got a, a metal hockey mask that he wears uh, so he can't get the headshots. So he, he's <sighs> smart enough to realize that a headshot will kill him. So he wears a mask so he can't get, get headshot. Um, he didn't make any masks for any of the other zombies. <laughs> or tell them about it. Or just let they're know. smart also. Right. He's like, um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let them wonder why I wear this mask. He's just kept one for himself, and uh, and and he can just, uh, you know, take those headshots. the The question that I had, especially during the vault scene, because they're, you know, where they're breaking open the vault, they get attacked by the alpha zombies. Uh, one of the guys gets trapped inside the vault, which becomes important later, and and they get overwhelmed, and the alpha zombies like charging at them down the hallway, and and the the immediate question that came to my mind. And again, I'll say it. I know I've said it a lot this episode. I'm just an internet man. I don't know anything about movies. But I'm looking at this alpha zombie, right? It's very strong. It's very powerful. And he's figured out that he has a mask over his head, so you can't shoot him in the head. Kill him. Um, but the last time I checked, he still needs to move. And his he still needs to undergo some form of ambulation, some form of locomotion, right? And to do so, he has feet and legs that are not covered in armor. And we were shown a scene earlier in the film when Dave Batista opened up one of his, his large automatic assault rifles uh, that they have the ability to shred zombies uh, pretty efficiently. And so my question was, why not just shoot him in the knees? Shoot yeah. all of his knees. Uh, and then shoot, shoot his the knees. Back of his head. Yeah, shoot all of his knees until there's no knees left, and he's crawling on the ground, and then just shoot him in the back of the head where there is no mask. Zombie because problem I don't, solved. <laughs> I don't care how powerful he is as a zombie. If he doesn't have legs, he's not going to be able to accomplish a lot. Um, and he's not bulletproof. He may be damage resistant. Uh, you know, maybe this is a D&D &D game. He rolls a natural 20 every time to resist damage mm. or something. But uh, I just it just really seemed like an obvious way to deal with with that character, at least in the short term, maybe not in the long term, but at least in the short term, you could eliminate him as a threat. Uh, but of course, then we wouldn't really have much of a movie, I guess. Uh, we still don't. But mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't feel like there's much of a movie, but, you know, <laughs> take what you can get. Yeah, money was spent, you know, that's something. On something. <laughs> but then we actually, I mean, this movie has the, the gall to yes. 
recreate the Bishop Ripley Newt ship gone scene from the end of Aliens. Yeah. I knew it was going to. I knew it as soon as they landed on that roof and Dave Batista ran inside. I was like, he's, she's going to leave. And when they get back to the roof, she's not going to be there. And then she's going to show up. And they're going to get the... Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we're going to get it. That's like It's going to be Zack Snyder's version of that. And sure as shit, that's what happened. But here, again, is the problem. Helicopters are loud very very loud and this city this city of las vegas is dead there's nothing going on in that city there's no no traffic there's no no honking horns there's no wine of the city and they run out onto this rooftop and it's just silent and then she just comes up over the lip of the roof, and all of a sudden you can hear the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Dude, in the desert, you can hear the helicopter like five miles away, right? You can hear it coming. I just, it, it just, I was like in, in the search of that moment, right? Of getting that moment, all, all understanding of how things work in the world just gets thrown out the window. And that ultimately is Zack Snyder's philosophy on filmmaking. Just yeah, get the shot. Just get the shot. Get the shot. It's as you said. It's it's Michael Bay. Like it's the Michael Bay philosophy. Don't care what it means. Don't care how we get it. I just gotta get it. And I just again, I, I and I'm talking my first run through. Right, this isn't like I watched this movie five times obsessively to be like, oh, well, what about this Zack Snyder? Like, I didn't do that. I'm not going to do that. Like, no. We're going think through I've this movie. This movie again. We we're going through this again, and and I've kind of got some scenes pulled up so we can talk about them. And this will be the last time I ever watch this. Yeah, <laughs> this is my first time through. I was like, huh, huh, and that's part of the problem. If your movie is not doing enough to keep me in, so that I don't notice things like that then that's the real failing of the film. Like, that's the real problem. It, it, you know, because, again, we, we've got examples of this, right? Jurassic Park. The, the T-Rex comes out of the cage, eats the goat, comes out of the cage, right into the, the, the Jeeps. It starts messing with the, the Jeeps or the Ford Explorers, whatever it is. And then it pushes one of them off, and they fall off a cliff. When we've just been shown that there's there's ground there. There's land there. There shouldn't be a cliff. But Spielberg is an engaging enough filmmaker, and that scene is tense and powerful and, and awesome enough that you don't realize it in the moment. In the moment, you're not brought out of the film and been like, and even there finding five out ago. about it or noticing it after the fact, you don't care. It doesn't diminish the effectiveness of the scene, right? Like, but in this case, it's it does it does it absolutely does. Because well, there's and, just nothing else. Right. What else are you paying attention to? <laughs> there's yeah, like, there's I, I can't excuse this movie's to. flaws because there's no reason to excuse them. It's not like the no. movie was was a, a real humdinger. 
the, the right maybe a humdinger with a couple of issues yeah right? and, this, and there this are... was a pile of issues with with maybe some dingers but that's about it <laughs> that's right ham dingers that's what we've got in this movie <laughs> a box <laughs> of ham dingers boxes boxes of ham dingers um yeah it's just it's such a frustrating thing because this is again ostensibly this should be a movie that i love this should be a movie that becomes a constant rotation because it's it's action horror which is probably my favorite genre of film it's it's action horror it's decently budgeted not overly budgeted to where you can just do whatever you want but decently budgeted to where you've got enough money to do some cool effects you've got a good cast you've got some cool locations right it's like it's what you this is what i want right when i'm i'm writing down here are here are movies i want to see hollywood this checks a ton of those boxes and to see one that checks that many boxes and still does literally nothing for me, it, it just breaks my soul. It just makes my heart hurt. And I, I, I don't know. It's, it's rough. Like, this is a rough watch for me. Um, again, I, I th- I'm not going to say I understand Zack Snyder because obviously I don't. But I get enough about what his filmmaking philosophy is, like sort of what he thinks of in terms of like a good what what is a good movie that I see what he was going for. And if you're going to if you're going to steal a structure for a film or at least some visual and and tonal touch points, you could do a lot worse than aliens. You could definitely do a lot worse than aliens. But if you're going to ride or die with James Cameron, you need to elevate your game to a. I mean, the top. I mean, that's that's the top. You're just shooting for the absolute top of the mountain. And Zack Snyder, as much as I think that he has capability, that's the other part of this that sucks, is I think that Zack Snyder, despite all of the bad films that he's made, and there are many of them, I still think he is an interesting filmmaker. And I think he has the potential to do cool things. But for some reason, he just never quite gets there. And there's a piece of me that thinks it's because he has built this shell around himself now right like you look at the credits in his movie he and his wife produce he directs he writes he shoots he edits i mean there's literally no one in this process to check him and say are you sure about that zach what about this yeah or even just someone who offers some you know creative variation along the way you know, yeah. something that that challenges not you know his his stance or his his idea his but maybe just yeah. challenges the the motifs or or the the framing good lord if somebody would just challenge him on that yeah it's it's just such an interesting thing i mean it, it feels like when gary kurtz stopped producing star wars movies because gary kurtz is the reason why chewbacca is not a six and a half foot tall lizard Right. Like that's Gary Kurtz saying, I don't know about that, George. Maybe we should try something else. You know, like, like and, and I think <laughs> I think every filmmaker needs that. Right. Because then we get Rick McCallum producing the prequels and never saying, no, this is what George wants. And George gets what George wants. And, you know, we all know how that turned out. Mm. So it's 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 kind of infuriating. 
I mean, not even kind of. It just is infuriating. Um, I also hate that Zack Snyder takes this goofy movie, like, and this movie is exceedingly goofy on so many levels, and then tries to give it this, like, emotional heft. Because, again, everybody dies in this movie, right? And so they escape in the helicopter. The alpha zombie jumps onto the helicopter. Dave Bautista gets bit. They eventually kill him. Tignataro gets shot in the in the the scuffle. The helicopter goes down when the nuke blows up because they oh that was the other complication. Didn't even mention it. Uh, the <laughs> the nuke gets moved up because of the holiday, because of Memorial Day. They don't want to drop a nuke on America on Memorial Day, so they have to do it the day before. Cool. Why is that even? I mean, that's clever. Also, we guess we should mention Sean Spicer is in this movie, which I saw him and I was like. Wait, what? Uh, he's in this as a talking head for like two seconds. It's not the end of the world. Some people lost their ever-loving minds. Um, I I did not. It was whatever. But I, I but what I was left saying, as many other people have, okay, so you you eliminated Chris D'Elia from this movie, but you left John Spicer in. Mm. Wait, what? Why would? Yeah, mm, that's a that's a that's a choice, right? Again, Zack Snyder, colon, baffling, (laughs) (laughs) baffling, the career of Zack Snyder, right? Like that's the book I'm going to write. That's his documentary, baffling. Um, Because it is, it's just, it's just baffling some of the choices that are made. And, but he tries to give the end of the film this emotional heft, right? Everybody's dead. David Batista has been bit. We know where this is going. He's going to turn. And and the daughter is forced to kill him as he killed the mother, which then created the rift between them. So these, you know, it's poetry. It rhymes, right? Like, you get it. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be it's great. Gonna be great. <laughs> and 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 so like, and then she just cries and throws the gun away, and that's the end. Uh, well, we think it is, but then we get a mid-credit sequence because okay. this is the Zack Snyder cinematic zombie universe, and. Of course, we get uh, Omari Hardwick, who was locked in the vault, which apparently he was able to get out of after the nuclear explosion. Um, never mind about radiation or fallout. Don't worry about it. Uh, he just walked through a recently nuked city in a uh, very nice sleeveless tee, and he's fine. He's just fine. Like Nuclear radiation is not a problem for the human body. And he certainly wouldn't have been baked from the inside out immediately. He's <laughs> after fine. stepping foot. He's fine. He's fine. But then he shows up, he he finds a sweet blue IROC Z, because you know Zack Snyder owned a sweet blue IROC Z in, in high school. He just absolutely did. I have no doubt in my mind. Zack I Snyder hope so. Drove an IROC Z. <laughs> um, With a vanity and- plate. Yes, it was like I rock, <laughs> <laughs> and and he finds that, and it's just it's sitting under a tarp and has crap all over it. But apparently, it just runs fine; like it's no problem. It just starts right up, and somehow Omari Hardwick's character is able to just purchase a plane with uh, the bags of money that he was able to pull out of the uh, to pull out of the the, the vault. And he gets on the plane and he's feeling bad. And of course, he's been bitten and they're flying to Mexico City. 
which of course is a hugely populated city. And, and the implication is, oh, damn, right? The Zambies are back. And this time it's for real because we're going to a country that's not America and they won't be able to handle it. <laughs> Silly non-Americans. And I just don't care. No. I just don't. It just is so silly. And he did this already. He did this in Dawn of the Dead, too. And it was just as dumb when they like you know, they get their way. They get to the boat. Right. Oh, we got to the boat again. And then they go to the boat and they go to the island and there's zombies there, too. And the implication is, oh, we're all, we're all fucked. Right. That's how the every world is zombies. I, I think that. I think Zack Snyder's personal ethos is that all of his movies have to end with everything being fucked. Because if you look at his movies, all of them, they all end horribly. Because happy endings are cheesy and stupid. <laughs> um, so, like, spoiler for Sucker Punch, we may do it on this show. I, I don't know. I, I'll have a, I would have a hard time watching that film again. Um, but at the end of that movie, she gets lobotomized. So that's the thing. Um, so that's crap. Uh, we all know how Watchmen ends. That's bad. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Batman v Superman. Uh, well, Man of Steel ends with uh, Superman murdering General Zod, snapping his neck like a twig. Uh, so that's bad. Um, then uh, Batman v Superman ends with Superman getting impaled on a kryptonite spear. So that's bad. Uh, and then Justice League, well, the and I mean, you know, there Justice are a lot League. of, there are a lot of filmmakers who, who have, you know, a pattern and they mm -hmm. tend to make bleak films, but I guess I don't feel like he's one of those filmmakers because often, um, you have things like a silly credit sequence with a Liberace impersonator and. <laughs> a CG zombie tiger. And I don't know. I feel like the bleakness is, is maybe a, a little bit too much bleakness in a movie like this. I could have done yeah. with a little bit of lightheartedness. Yeah. It's like it, this movie has moments that I guess were designed or at least initially considered to be lighthearted, but nothing that Snyder shoots comes across that way. Like he, he doesn't know what comedy looks like. And his version of comedy is not comedic. It can be funny. Like there are genuine moments in, in the Snyder cut, at least where there are some like decently jokey moments and, and they're, they're okay. Right. They're not like, you know, Joss Whedon's just asleep jokey moments, but they're, they're jokey and, and they're okay. But he, his, what Zack Snyder finds funny is, is not something that I find funny. That's really the only way I can say it. I do not find his, concept of humor humorous i don't most of the time and and that's fine comedy is extremely subjective and there are obviously people that it certainly does work for which is also fine but i can say pretty unequivocally that it ain't it ain't for me and again that that's problematic that's not the way that should be because again Zack snyder's making movies that should be directly up my alley that should be like at the end of my alley where I will eventually arrive because I love walking down my alley so much. 
and it they're just not ever and and that's really surprising like genuinely surprising to me um so i mean even after all that the fact that we got a decently big budget zombie movie if you are into into zombie movies this is probably still something you want to watch just because who knows when we're going to get something like this again uh i mean if this did well enough maybe Zack snyder's going to get another shot maybe that one will be okay i don't have high hopes but hey who knows anything could happen but given how little how how very little of these kind of films we we get right now i can see why this did okay because it's it's just not something we've seen for a while and there is certainly an audience that wants things like this or you know, zombies like I, I i don't think they want this but they want what this film is purporting to be because that's the other thing that we we have to address before we sum up this isn't a heist movie there is no heist yeah there's right? no heist in this i don't they, understand why that word was ever applied to it there's no heist i mean apart from the fact that the heist is all a sham anyway there isn't even just the mechanics of a heist taking place. They, they walk, they arrive, and then they walk away. That's, <laughs> that's it, right? There's no plan. There's no like cool thing they have to do apart from the disabling of the dumb booby traps. And, and then I guess Dieter has to like do the magic spinny thing and make it, you know, look like opening the vault but there's no heist like there's there's nothing to plan there's no the villains are all internal so there's really no bad guys i it's just it's inexplicable so there's no heist there's not really much zombie action i i i, I hate to say that because there is zombie stuff but i it's mean there's gross stuff happens there's gross stuff that happens so if you're into gross out stuff that's there's definitely some things here but i mean there's there's zombies that run down hallways and get shot there are a couple of zombies that get in some hand-to-hand combat stuff. And then there are a, there's like the big casino floor zombie sequence where, you know, they're running across the poker tables and, and the, you know, the craps tables and everything and the zombies are chasing them. And that's, that's kind of it. Right? Like, there's not really that much. I mean, the vast majority of this movie are characters you don't know walking from point A to point B and saying things you don't care about. like that's the bulk of this movie at least an hour and 10 minutes of this is just that which means the other hour and 20 minutes are are maybe some action sequences maybe some zombie stuff it's just it's really inexplicable and that's why i think there's probably a decent 90 minute movie in here right you cut out all of the chuffed all of the stuff you don't need and you just tell the we get into the and we get into the zombie city. We go to what we think is the heist, but it's not actually a heist. We're getting betrayed, and then get out of the city, right? Like that's that's kind of it. That's all you need. And all of these layers of complications that kept getting put on top of it. Oh, the daughter trying to rescue the lady, which oh by the way, she dies. Like that lady that got everybody killed. Not. She just dies. They don't even dig. They don't even show us her body in the last shot. 
Because ultimately, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. And that is a problem, right? When your character that you, you, one of your main characters literally got everyone else in the film killed to save, doesn't even get mentioned. Like, she doesn't even look at her body and go like, oh, Gerda, or whatever her name was. Like, nothing. It's just, she's gone. She died like everyone else. So frustrating, right? Like, who am I supposed to root for, Zack Snyder? Who am I supposed to care the daughter, that's going to be tough. This is a tough ask because she got everyone killed. <laughs> and and she doesn't really have a personality or. No, she's just she's the, the just a she's face. A, she's a volunteer. Right. Yeah. I care about people. In my yeah. So, yeah, it's um, I, I don't know if we have to belabor the point anymore. I think our, our, our sort of basic <laughs> basic response to this is clear. But we was this is this is not a great film no um if you're desperate for zombie action at a high level there's probably enough here to satiate you i'll be honest like for i think for most people and even me if i if i was even though my brain was effectively switched off i i was quite literally just doom scrolling on twitter for 90 percent of this movie (laughs) but if you can somehow switch your mind off more than that you might you might enjoy it. I, I really don't know. But the fact that this was purchased as some kind of like large scale franchise is frightening to me. Like, I, I really don't that's, know how that's going to go. I mean, the word baffling came up before and <laughs> and here it comes up again. That is baffling. I don't know how you would even hear the elevator pitch for this movie and think that it deserves more than half of the movie that we got. I yeah, I, I really don't know. I this this film feels like Army of the Dead colon missed opportunity. <laughs> um, yeah, because there's even within this film that they made, there are incredible missed opportunities like that cool saw. Right. That the, that Omari Hardwick like digs up out of the out of the sand like we got a 30 second scene of him digging that thing out of the dirt so that he could take it in because and they're like, oh, OK. All right, I see what you I see what you got going on, Zach. So this this saw is going to do some work, and nope, that saw is used in the opening credits in three slow mo shots for him to kill one zombie, maybe two. He never even uses it in like the main thrust of the film. The only thing it's used for is to cut through a wall so that they can escape the. So they can escape the ball. That's it. That's it. That's it. And that is a metaphor for Army of the Dead, folks. It's just, <laughs> it's just one huge, like, blue ball. Like, that's all this is. It's like, look at all this potential. And then I'm just going to do Jack Squad with it. I'm just not going to even try to take advantage of all of this coolness that I've set up here. Um, it's, it's, it's it, again, baffling. That's the word. This is a baffling film. It's not terrible on every level. I, I think there, again, there's probably enough here that a few people would be satiated by it. Obviously, quite a few have been. Um, it's, it's got some style because Zack Snyder's style is his own. <laughs> I don't know if it's good, but it's his. Um, I, I think the depth of focus stuff is definitely going to annoy people, though. Like, I cannot imagine anybody watching this. Because the last time I've seen that level of depth of focus was Shane Carruth's Upstream Color. 
That's the last time <laughs> I've seen a movie with that much shallow depth of field. And that's because Shane Carruth is like an art filmmaker. He's making these very, very small, really, really intimate and films with his, pon- with his you know, his Lumix. Effect. You know, he was doing right. it for a purpose. It wasn't just done. Yeah. It's very intentional. You know, because quite frankly, those are those are the shots that I think most users and I actually there was a, a time in one of my classes where I showed some scenes from Upstream Color. Not not the whole film because it would be bewildering to a, a ton of people, especially students. Um, but I showed some scenes from it because it is it is beautifully shot. And, you know, one of them, their initial reaction was like, this just looks all like B-roll. Like, this is just all B-roll. I'm like, well, it's not because, you know, he's, he's using the camera to express some specific ideas by doing the shallow at the field. But like, that's typically what we expect B-roll to be like when you have the, the second unit go in and like film somebody's hand picking up a cup and it's got that shallow depth of field because you, mm-hmm. you don't have anything behind the hand. right? <laughs> we didn't build the rest of the set, we just have the table in the hand. You know, like, so it, it has that effect, but this whole film looks like that from beginning to end. And I, I genuinely think there'll at least be a few people that react negatively to it. Um, did you hear about Pixelgate? I reacted Pix- negatively. <laughs> yeah, we, we did. Uh, did you hear about Pixelgate? Did you see any of that stuff? No. All right. So I, I noticed this in one scene. Apparently it's in a bunch of them. But there is, there are numerous scenes of this where there are dead pixels on screen, like pure white pixels, like stuck white pixels. And, and it's like a cluster of two or three of them. And it basically what it seems like is that one of their cameras had this problem because when generally it shows up when they're shooting coverage. And so they would have had two or three cameras going at at a similar at at one time. So they probably had an a camera that they used for, you know, 90% of their shots then they would have a B and C to get, you know, any coverage and angles. And one of the cameras, either the B or the C camera has some stuck pixels in it. Mm-hmm. And so when you're watching this in 4k, it, you can see them, right? Let's cause right. generally I notice them because I'm constantly freaked out that my TV is going to develop stuck pixels. Like it's just this, it's one of those like modern, like things that get stuck in your brain, like, like, you know, battery, um, uh, battery panic, you know, like, oh, I'm at 20 percent. Jesus, you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. Like I do that with my televisions because one of my TV, the TV in my workout room has a stuck pixel. It has a red stuck pixel and it annoys the ever shit out of me. Uh, no, it's just in the workout room. So I don't I, I can deal with it. But if it was my main TV, oh, no, it, it'd be in the trash and I'd have another TV. I just I can't even abide. <laughs> I can't abide it. Um, so. You know, I'm constantly looking because I don't my TV is is nice, but it's not a great TV. I didn't buy it. You know, I didn't spend thousands of dollars. It's just it's whatever TV, but it's 4K. It's, it looks okay. But I'm constantly concerned that it's going to do something like that. And so I was watching and I saw this little white dot and I was like, oh, shit, no. And then it went away immediately. And I was like, wait, what? And so then I, I watched a little bit more and I think I might have seen it one more time. But it's. It's just, it's, it's an interesting little thing that just, I mean, they, they could have dealt with it, right? Like you can't tell me that they couldn't have just gone in and just fixed it, but they didn't. And I, I really don't understand how a movie with this much 
budget and, and this much, I'm going to go ahead and say presumed talent behind it would let something like that slide through. Uh, but people on the internet have, have lost their minds about it, of course. Um, you know, just how dare they, you know, couldn't they have taken care of this or whatever. Um, maybe this was just to distract from how bad the movie is. Maybe. Because then you go on but a pixel hunt and that's much more exciting. It. Yeah. And everybody will be watching for those stuck pixels instead of watching the, the terrible movie. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Those were like me. an insurance policy. Ha! <laughs> Hollywood that's conspiracies. Another one of those Zack Snyder Easter eggs. Getting the kids. <laughs> that's how he gets them. That's how he gets them young. He's like, oh, I'm looking for the Zack Snyder Easter well, egg. It just, it just proves that Zack Snyder's a genius. He put those I, stuck pixels in there on purpose. They're on purpose. They're definitely there on purpose. I, I that is another thing that I, I am constantly surprised by is the number of people that that ride to Zack Snyder's defense. And I know it's because of the DC Universe stuff, but you know he's got this he's got this brigade of people that just follow him around, and and he can do no wrong. And I mean, I get that. I've got my favorite directors. I know James Cameron is a jerk. I know he's terrible to work for. And and I'm sorry, but I still love his movies. And so I, I get it. You know, you kind of like you find somebody and you're, you're like, well, this people guy gets, treat their, this their guy favorite gets directors me, you know? like their favorite sports teams. You know, right. That's what it's become. I have no idea when that happened. But um, that is where we are, is that now we are rooting for our favorite filmmakers like we root for the Dodgers or whatever. Yeah. You know, the I don't understand it. I don't understand. it. Yeah, I mean, because theoretically, I mean, if they're. I I just don't understand this tribalism that we have to apply to all this stuff. It's a movie. And if you liked it, great. Enjoy it. If you didn't, that's also fine. And I didn't. And and it's not because I hate Zack Snyder and I want to see him fail. Quite the opposite. I keep giving the man chances. He's like he's like a more successful Paul W.S. Anderson. Like I just keep giving him chances where I'm like, dude, You've got the skill. You have the ability. I know it's you starting, do. It's starting to turn into a real Alex Proyas thing. Right. Now it's like. I don't know if I have any more room in my heart for you. I don't know. It's just. You've hurt me before. Yeah. We've you've hurt me too many times. How many times are we going to be coming back? Um, but like a, you know, like a good abuser, you just keep coming yeah. back for more. Like, At this hey, point, I am in an abusive relationship an abusive... with Alex Proyas, and I think everyone else is in one with Zack Snyder, but we're not ready to admit it. We're not it. ready to admit it yet. He's just too hot. I, it's just like, I can't leave him. It's, it's too good. I, yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, So let's wrap up with uh, Army O the Dead. We've already talked about this film for, for far too long, almost as long as the actual runtime of the film, which uh, is an accomplishment in and of itself. Uh, so I, I think our opinions are clear. I don't know if we need to vocalize our recommendations, but um, I think it's fairly safe to go ahead and say very succinctly that uh, nope, uh, we do not recommend the watching of Army of the Dead. I will will back that up and say you will not be it's, it's not quite to the level of being physically violated by a film. Uh, so I don't want to make it seem like it is. But this is this is not a film that will will destroy you by watching it, right? Like, and it, it was never going to be that. But it's, it's not a film that I think you'll leave feeling positive about for a lot of people. Um, but I don't know. I mean, everybody's a little different. And everybody, and things like horror hit everybody a little differently. 
Uh, although again, I, I'd hesitate to call it a horror movie. It's gross, but it's it's not especially horrific. Um, the tiger, the tiger scene uh, where Martin gets mauled by the tiger, because that's a thing that that happens, and it's absolutely telegraphed mm. that that's going to be the case. Um, you know, that's that's a little bit horrific, but most of this is is not horrific at all. And I applaud the efforts and I applaud the scale, but I don't know if I can applaud much else. Um, so it's probably a no from me. Uh, I guess no from you as well. Big no. Um, Big no. I, hard no. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> hard pass. Um, I don't like Zack Snyder's movies, and I, I sort of ran dry on on my support for Zack Snyder a long time ago. Yeah. Um, because I, I just in the end, I think I would rather watch a Michael Bay movie. And and accept that horror for what it is, because I feel like it's a little more honest with me. I would. I OK, so this is an admission and I, I'm sorry. Uh, I have seen Transformers the last night. Several times. Several. And did not hate the experience. Um, and that film stars Mark Wahlberg. I. Um, have only seen the first two Transformers movies. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I just kind of lost lost interest. And and I as you should. I, I'm not recommending Transformers the last night, but I have watched it several times. And I would readily watch that again instead of this. Yeah. Um because it at a certain level it it knows what it is. It knows. And it's okay with it. And I think Zack Snyder's issue is that he believes that every single thing he does is awesome. Or certainly overestimates its Over, Overestimates. Sure. Yeah. That would, that's a good way to put it. It just overestimates its awesomeness. And, um, and it's, it, it ain't working for me anymore. I think, it, I think his spell was cast on me a, a couple of times. But it's it's not really working anymore, um, and he's gonna have to do something to get me back on his on on his team. I guess it, again, I don't want to think about this in terms of like teams and tribalism and, and us versus them. I don't want to think about this. But if he wants me to sort of like say, hey, yeah, I, I think you're a really solid filmmaker, Zack Snyder. Something's got to change because this ain't doing it. Uh, I like him as a person and. I, I know a lot of the media around him has focused on the the tragedies that led to him leaving Justice League, and this certainly feels like a film from a guy that was working out some stuff with his daughter, and and this is probably Zack Snyder trying to deal with some of the things that happened in his own way. But at the same time, it but is a movie and it is a commercial product. It's a product. And it's a bad one. Yeah, and it, it doesn't work. The artistic merit that it may have is completely defeated by the gigantic consumerist mass of garbage that it is, I think. Yeah. It's, it's rough. It's, it's rough. But in any case, um, so it's a no... As far as a recommendation for Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, this is not a film that you should watch. Uh, in in our humble opinion, there are certainly people who are advocating for it, 
And I, I hesitate to call it a return to form for Zack Snyder. This seems very much in line with what Zack Snyder has been doing for quite some time. The only thing that's a return to form is that it's a zombie movie again. Um, and if, if you're down with that, if you like Zack Snyder's approach to filmmaking, this is probably up your alley. It, it did not work for us, uh, but definitely for me. So what's your, what's your score on this one? If we were going to be one of those many podcasts featured in the Rotten Tomatoes scoring, uh, scoring section, what would you give Zack Snyder's presents a Zack Snyder film, Army of the Dead, produced by Zack Snyder? I don't want to give this a passing score because I just don't like his movies. <laughs> um, but this is not horribly made it's not it's not like offensively bad it's not no it's not cosmic sin right uh, i mean that is the bar <laughs> that must be cleared on the low end of the scale at this point yeah and and this is not that for sure but this is like a 59 because it's not a 60 this isn't a pass <laughs> this isn't this even isn't a d a right yeah. no no way yeah um because just too much is wrong with this movie and and so so much about zombie movies are are simple and you don't have to try very hard and i think i think maybe that explains some of the success of dawn of the dead and if you wanted to replicate that i think making a smaller film would have been the better choice and yeah, sure. that's not what happened here <laughs> totally um yeah i guess we're we're not really going to do the one thing with this cuz there is no no one thing that could fix no, this no there's many um, things <laughs> I mean, I, I think you might have hit on the one thing that it needed most, which is a, a reduction in scale, like actually pulling back even further to force the film into doing, into solving its problems in, in more creative ways. I, I think this yeah. movie would have benefited from that for sure. But the, the overall approach to it, I think, is, is sort of flawed from the get-go. And, and again, maybe you can get on board with it, but in terms of my score, it's, it's definitely in the same ballpark. I was thinking right around 50, 52, and I'm going to be honest, 10% of that, maybe more is purely devoted to Tig Notaro's presence in this film. Yeah. Like this film would be even lower. I, I feel like my score is mostly giving it to the people who showed up and tried to make this movie work. Mm -hmm. Um, which would be all of the the performers, you know, doing their best. I don't think any of the actors in this were were really bad. I mean, Dave Bautista is a, he's a wrestler, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, you know what you're getting with Dave Bautista, but I do appreciate that he at least attempts to bring a, a bit of soul to his. Not every wrestler, you know? not every wrestler turned actor is going to be The Rock. You know, we lucked out with that guy. Mm -hmm. Um, just in terms of acting chops. Right. Uh, so I don't, I don't expect that level from, from Drax. Um, and, and I think he brings about as much energy and, you know, it's clear he has a good time. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like that's where my score is coming from is performances as well. Yeah. It's, it, this film is well cast for the most part. If the cast is too large and too interchangeable to really have an effect, but the people who are here are, are working pretty well within their little box that they're given. Um, 
and 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 Tignataro is in it is especially great with the, the relatively small role. Like she's not a huge component in this film, but every time that she was on screen, it was kind of electrified. There was an energy to her presence that when she was not on screen was not there, like not at all. So I, I, I really appreciate that. And, and that change ended up being pretty serendipitous in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so pretty low on the scale for me too. But again, there's a piece of me that wants to say this didn't work for me, but it could potentially work for you, right? There's enough here that you might leave this more satisfied. And again, it's Netflix. The barrier to entry is literally nothing. Like it's, it, it will cost you nothing but your time to watch Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead if you have a Netflix subscription. And at this point, But don't forget that your time is valuable and that you should respect <laughs> yourself and spend your time wisely. Agreed, agreed, agreed. <laughs> But for some people, nah, maybe it's not a concern. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up Army of the Dead, presented by Zack Snyder, directed by Zack Snyder, shot by Zack Snyder, concepted by Zack Snyder, written by Zack Snyder. I and... definitely feel like I was shot by Zack Snyder. <laughs> uh, we've all been shot by Zack Snyder at this point, for sure. Um, all right, so uh, we expressed a lot of opinions in this particular episode, so no doubt there are people out there who are going to want to come after us on the internet to express just how wrong we are about Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Uh, so where can you be found on social media if people want to do so? I can be found at Baskinator on Twitter, where I, I complain about things like Zack Snyder. Excellent. Uh, I can, of course, be found at T Baskin on Twitter, uh, where I also complain extensively about Zack Snyder. I, I really don't, but uh, maybe I'll start. Maybe that's how I get my internet fame. Maybe that's how my Andy Warhol moment comes to pass, is I complain loudly enough about Zack Snyder that uh, you know, I get, I get uh, retweeted by Cinema Blend or something. Because <laughs> uh, isn't that the dream? Really? Screen rant, maybe? Yeah. Tweeted by movie poop shoot. <laughs> Moviepoopshoot.com. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's you, a vintage reference. <laughs> that's that's an old one, right? <laughs> but uh, you can also find us together at FP's Theater on Twitter. And of course, if you want to send us a longer rant outside of that pesky 240 character limit, you can, of course, get a hold of us at failurepiece at gmail.com. Uh, well, thanks for listening in. We certainly appreciate you. Uh, wading through the zombie-infested terror that is Army of the Dead and uh, and sort of finding out if there's enough there that uh, maybe it would appeal to you, too. Uh, we will be back with another discussion of cinema's failures throughout history, the problematic films that just didn't quite make it. Uh, all right, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.